nine o'clock on a Saturday. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show. Starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Felix Reyes. Now here's your host, Murph and Fred. How you doing, everybody? Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and you every Saturday from 9 until noon. I'll tell you how I'm doing. The how damn twins keep hitting the damn ball. The Cubs blow a save. Mm. and But good news for the Cubs. Yeah. The Brewers lost. The Pirates <laughs> lost. The Cardinals lost. So they lost the game. No big deal. Oh, no. Move on to the next game. That's later <laughs> on today under gorgeous skies. And a wonderful day for not only baseball, but also soccer at SeatGeek Stadium, uh, NYCFC coming to town. So it'll be a great day of sports in Chicago. Well, we have three hours to talk about soccer. Well, yeah, usually three minutes if that's likely. Whatever you want. Fred. Every once in a while on Sunday, I get a chance to talk about it. Hopefully the fire win today. So. How you doing, everybody? I'm Mike Murphy. He's Fred Huebner. And tell you what we're going to do today. We're going to try to jam about ten hours into a three-hour radio show. Uh, Jesse Rogers at 10. I already heard from the little guy about a half hour. I got some good stuff for you guys. Good. Bullpen stuff. Well, stick around. That is now less than one hour. It's about 58 and a half minutes away. Jesse Rogers. We always have time when John Mullins says, I can join you guys. 11 o'clock from NBC Sports Chicago. Our old buddy John Mullen will talk little bears. And between now and noon, Fred, I predict... Got a little swami in me this morning. We will talk about, but with new wrinkles and some new angles, the Bears' top 100 all-time players listed was the chatter of the week. Fun chatter, but... Uh, I didn't see a Cecil Turner anywhere on that list. I was looking. I couldn't find him. Yeah, it's because we used to call him Cecil Turnover. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. What? Who? <laughs> Never heard of the guy. Yeah, it was funny because Mark G. and Greco floated something. I know Waddle and Sylvie did yeah. it, too, about some of the uh, worst... Players to ever play for the ah, Chicago Bears. I'm sure, I'm oh, sure Rick yeah. Meyer was probably on that list somewhere. Now a frequent frequent guest of the Waddle and Sylvie show. You know, I stopped gambling on football when I was a young man. Okay. But then they got Rick Meyer. <laughs> right? And then you bet against the Bears. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. I, I'm just smart enough to know... Not to bet. Yeah, well, anytime a guy, anytime a quarterback <laughs> bounces swing passes oh, yeah, yeah. to the uh, running back or wide receiver, then you know yeah. something's wrong with this guy. I called my back then. Sure, to... I'm sure he's a wonderful gentleman. <laughs> you know, I'm a good guy too, but I couldn't play quarterback in the NFL. You don't have to say that. But he's probably a nice guy. <laughs> oh, no, I know I didn't. No, I know you didn't. I, I know I didn't. There's enough guys that I've said uh, you know bad <laughs> things about that I don't care if they were nice guys or not. I'm still bad people. But Rick Meyer seems like a nice guy. Just. A you know, Notre Dame grad just couldn't even pronounce his name right. Couldn't hack it. Just couldn't hack it in the uh, it the National Football League. Felt like Myra. Yes. Yeah. It was. I know. It was. But uh, so I just imagine Cecil Turner and Rick Meyer going. What the hell are people mentioning us for today? That'd be Cecil Turnover. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Back then, I you know that's when you had guy. You had to call uh-huh. your guy. Yep. And I didn't call my guy in about five years because I had uh, listened once when uh, Doug called me. Uh, Hugh Gamble lives in shambles. So all of a sudden I called my guy. Same phone number, uh-huh. still there, you know. Hello, you know. Hey, it's more. Oh, my mouth. And I said, yeah, Rick. My, I said, what's in the, the, the Bears are, uh, you know, plus three. I go, all right. No, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> they can get as many as they want with Rick Meyer there. It ain't going to work. All right. We've avoided long enough a doubleheader loss in Chicago. The oh. Cubs. 
and the Sox. Quick look at the standings. Excuse me, Fred, because you had mentioned everybody everybody else lost. So the Cubs still have game and a half lead in the division. Milwaukee, game and a half back. Pittsburgh, don't sleep on them. Three and a half back. Especially Josh Bell. Jeez. Yeah, you know, I wanted to take him in my fantasy and uh, league, and I I don't know, I didn't. Launch angle, I guess. I guess. And then St. Louis, four back, four and a half out. Fourth place, rather, four and a half out. Cincinnati now creeping up to just six and a half. They uh, pick up two more wins today and tomorrow. They'll be just four and a half back. And then the whole division will be topsy-turvy. White Sox. Well, it was a a rough night last night up in Mini. Well, they had a 4-1 lead. Mm -hmm. Just so you know that. They lost 11-4. They Mm -hmm. had a 4-1 lead in that game. Oh, yeah. uh, Going against Jose Barrios, Mm -hmm. a guy that they scored eight runs off of last year in 34 innings. So a 4-1 lead in the second inning looked pretty good. But uh, the Twins... The Twins have more runs scored than any team in baseball. It's real easy. You know, we always look for easy math. The the Twins have scored 300 runs this year. That's right. They've scored 300 runs in 50 games. So how simple is that? They average six runs a game. In fact, uh, that's the most runs scored other than the 1999 Seattle Mariners in the history of baseball. 100 runs in the first 50 games. 100 home runs. 100 home runs in the first 50 games, only behind 1999. And they had to top it by hitting their 101st homer. It looked they had eight two days ago. They only had three yesterday, and they they still scored 11 runs. It looked a little bit like... uh, well, we used to call it Cape Canaveral. It looked like Cape Kennedy. It looked like rockets going off. Yeah. They only had three homers, as you right, mentioned. Right. But, they were I bouncing mean, the ball boom, off the scoreboard. Boom, boom. Yeah. It took till about the eighth inning. I was thinking it the whole game. And finally, my good buddy Steve Stone said, you know, it's sort of odd that uh, uh, when the uh, Twins moved from the old uh, Metrodome here to the new stadium and uh, Joe Maurer all of a sudden couldn't hit any homers, they said, well, this ballpark's not built for uh, home runs. Right. Now look at it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I was thinking of that the whole game. But, they must have uh, changed some things there. I don't think so. Well, you know, and they also, what they also did was. I've been there. No, I, I was, it's a no, beautiful no. downtown. It's, it's supposed to be a great, great no, ballpark. But I, Stoney, also, Stoney also mentioned, you know, like like Wrigley Field, like guaranteed rate. When uh-huh. it gets warmer, the ball's going to fly well, out even quicker. Oh, well, yes, yeah, Stoney does. So, I mean, you know, just imagine this team. They're hitting everything. Every mistake that Ronaldo mm-hmm. Lopez made up high yesterday uh, with a fastball yeah. or a changeup. Got hit, and mm-hmm. I mean hit hard. Max Kepler, the German, I got him. The, the young German boy. He's the only guy I have in my fantasy league that's not hurt. Yeah, well, so Just he's. Wait. They're all playing really well. So yeah, it was it was it was a rough watch for. Mm-hmm. And I, like five times last night, I said they're not going to come back. They're not going to come back. They're, no, they didn't come back. I could have left it in the sixth inning. Well, the uh, watched the whole thing. The Cubs also had a, a four-run lead. They coughed that up twice. Yep. They coughed up two leads. Cubs were up four to nothing after three innings. Everything's looking sweet. Hendricks out there mowing down the first ten batters. Home run uh, to start the uh, game for the Cubs. Schwarbs, uh, then Bryant, then Rizzo in the third. Their next at bats in the third inning, I guess it was, and it's all of a sudden four to nothing. Oh. Schwarbers goes 449, Brian 421, Rizzo 426, but it don't matter. They lost. Hendricks had a quality start. I heard you and yeah. Yurko talking about QSs yesterday. We'll visit that uh, maybe in the 10 or 11 o'clock hour. Hendricks did say after the game, he said, I literally made one bad pitch. Oh, he did. And that was the one bad pitch to Puig. We hit a two-run homer. Yeah. 
Boom that was shakalaka. it. Right. Because Suarez. it was four to one. It's a two run home. Well, no, the, the Hendricks homer. I mean, the Hendricks said he made one bad pitch. Yeah. And that was the homer from Puig. Oh, the uh, Puig homer. It, I'm sorry. Right, thank, you, four, thank you. From four one yeah. to four three. It was a two oh pitch and he laid it right in there. Yeah. And that was the one bad pitch he made. Uh, he was pitching well. The, the starting rotation. I mean, you know, think about it. We well, we talked before the season that this was still their strongest point, and you know, uh, it, it it's going to be what gets them to where they yeah. go this year. Well, let's hold these thoughts. Let's take a look at the Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. We'll get right back to the Cubs and Sox games from last night. And hey, Felix, thanks for putting our uh, music in there. All right, vote right now at ESPN One Thousand. Here's a, a Cubs and a Sox and a, a Bears to get us rolling. Cubs fans, will Tom Ricketts give Theo money for a bullpen move by July 31st, the deadline? Very simple. Cub fans, will Tom Ricketts give Theo money for a bullpen move by July 31st, A or B? A, he better. <laughs> this could have just been yes or no, but that's uh-huh. too simple. A, he better or B, no way. Because he already said, we don't have any money for uh, talent. Right. Uh, Sox fans vote right now. The Sox have the number three overall pick in the upcoming uh, draft on June 5th. A, B, C, D. The White Sox with the third overall pick should select A, a college pitcher. B, a high school pitcher. A college hitter. Or a high school hitter. Okay. Very simple. Really the only four choices you have, right? Right. right. College pitcher, high school pitcher, college hitter, high school uh, hitter, you know, position player. Vote now at ESPN 1000. And Bears fans, oh, there was a lot of great chatter this week about the top 100 all-time list. Tons of it. By the way, the key two words, all-time. Right. All-time. Correct. All right, all time. We'll get back to that a little later. Okay, but all-time. All the greatest Bears quarterback of all time, A, B, or C, Rick Meyer. No, i just kidding. Just seeing <laughs> if you're paying attention, everybody. Jay Cutler, Jim McMahon, Sid Luckman. Okay. Vote now at ESPN 1000. So back to the uh, Cubs and Sox last night. So the Cubs, uh, they're up 4-0 on the uh, three home runs. <sighs> Kyle Hendricks retires the first 10 hitters. The one bad pitch to Puig. Thanks, Fred, for the two-run homer. That made it Cubs 4 and Cincinnati 3. Now, the Reds tie it up. Now, here's an interesting under-the-radar play. It's the bottom of the eighth. 4-4. Four to four, And Rizzo steals the alert, as, as Mark Potash called him today. And his unnamed, the alert, uh, Anthony Rizzo, steals second base, which will lead to the... Uh, a pinch hit single by Willie Wilson Contreras to put the Cubs ahead. Looked good. Bottom of the eight, five to four. But sure did. Rizzo, it's, it's hard to describe uh, the, the phraseology is first move. In other words, you sort of just roll the dice. As soon as that pitcher of the lefty put, you know, kicks up his leg like he's going to be throwing, you just go and yeah. you hope he's not throwing to first. Right. But he went before yeah. first move. Well, he had noticed that they weren't the the guy wasn't the pitcher wasn't looking at all right. at all, and uh, all of a sudden Rizzo's a smart enough player. He he gets to second base. He does what he needs to do. That's the one. That, if all players in the Cubs would take some tips from Rizzo, oh yeah, uh, getting on base, 
uh, smart base running and things like that, I mean, uh, the team would be even a little bit better off. But, he, he, yeah, he made a great move. He, yeah. dropped, he dropped that pop bun about a week and a half, yes, two weeks did. ago. Not uh-huh. infield fly rule as a line. It's not infield. Well, yeah, there's only a man on first. Right. But, you know, we know that. His but, head's always in the game. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's one of the most important things. But him getting the second base was huge, absolutely yeah. huge. Then, of course, the uh, two-run uh, homer by uh, Suarez. And uh, the Cubs have now blown. Listen to this, Fred. You, just, you probably saw it. I got it. They've blown 11 save opportunities. Out of 20. And they only have nine saves. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. that's not, That would be no good, that's right? no good. No good. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's rough, you know, and the thing is, even if you have a good closer, their their odds are that they're going to blow some saves. It's going to happen, and you know, I heard some people say that you got the Cubs have to go on out and get a, a really good closer. How many are there in baseball? Three, four? You think Sean Green? Did you know Sean Green from Detroit was going to be a good closer? Well, they're also in a pickle. Because, again, they're going to have to trade away what little they have in the farm system. And I have no you – know, a lot of people are upset that they traded away uh, a Torres, uh, you know, for Chapman. Yeah. Well, Torres is doing pretty well. Yeah, the and Orioles was, are really upset because he's got ten homers against him. This and that year. was a great signing by the uh, much maligned on this uh, end of the uh, show right here, uh, Jason McLeod. That was a good signing, uh-huh. uh, international signing. Then they had to trade, not that uh, it was a big loss, but they had to trade uh, Jorge Soler. Maybe you could have got something else you needed. That's what I'm leading up to. And that was a good year from uh, Wade Davis, you know. But you have to keep continually trading away the few little pieces you have. Right. Now, the Cubs have two nice catchers way down low, years away, and that's who they're going to obviously trade one of them because with Wilson Contreras, I'll tell you, though, these catchers, they'll trick you. After three, four years, they'll just sometimes just whoosh, quick go downhill. Sure. I'm not saying I don't think he will. Now that he's uh, got his second life, second wind right now, saw uh, saw the uh, you know world through his uh, eyes last year that Contreras, uh, but you never know. And then they have... Uh, uh, that Nico, the uh, hot shot first. Nico Horner, he got, he's hurt right now. Second he's got base. a hand injury, I think you it know, is. So what, you have to trade one of those uh, two catchers or him to get some? Or, or, here's the interesting wrinkle. I'm going to explain and show and play this out in a few minutes, Fred, how Ben Zobrist. Who? I didn't know he could pitch. You forgot his name. Be honest. You forgot about him, right? No, I actually talked about him the other day because he's one of he's the one guy that does what I love seeing t- baseball players do. He puts his bat on the ball. Uh-huh. He does. He's not a guy that swings for the fences. He puts his bat on the ball. Uh, let's bring in uh, hey, Felix Reyes. Felix, a big Cup fan, you are. Be honest. When was the last time you thought of Ben Zobrist? Two days ago, three days ago, four days, this morning, uh, Fred yesterday. When's the last time you actually? You know what's going on with Ben? I thought about him a few games ago. All right, a couple days ago, yeah, right? Yeah. All right. All right. Let me mention this. Is that going on the air when I move the microphone and it yeah. squeaks? Uh-huh. <laughs> sounds like there's a mouse in the house. Yeah, that's sounds not a like good I'm thing. in a hammock this afternoon. <laughs> enjoying Memorial Day. By the way, enjoy your Memorial Day, you know, holiday. Yeah, and keep your radio with you because I'm here today, tomorrow, and Monday. So, But, but remember why right. we have... Memorial Day, uh-huh. okay, please. Or, and maybe explain it to the 10-year-olds and the, out there, the 15-year-olds, you know, why we are uh, remembering yeah. our fallen heroes. Okay. All right. 
Let's let's keep uh, Felix on the uh, on the microphone here over there behind the glass and Fred Hubner and Murph. All right. How are they going to get a relief pitcher? Well, they don't have any money. Or maybe they do. Let me ask you guys a question. Ben Zobrist, all right? And uh-huh. I don't like to get in the middle of all this, but everything we read is that the, the kids, and I hate to get into this, but the facts have been presented already. His children cannot leave Tennessee for legal reasons okay. because that's where one of the two file the divorce papers. But anyway, it looks like he, it's just me now, is going to be in Tennessee for a while. Maybe I'm wrong. But here's what we're leading up to. He's on the last year of a four-year contract. Here's how Ben Zobras can help the Cubs' bullpen issues, all right? He's on the fourth year of a four-year deal. He's making, uh, was averaged out to $14 million a year times four. This, it was front-loaded or middle-loaded. Anyway, he's getting 12, $12.5 million this year. We can do this in our heads. Remember last week, Fred, one-fourth of the season was over? Yep. All right. A little, I know, a week or so more. 12 point, okay. Three, six, nine, twelve. Three-fourths of 12 is, three, is nine. Felix, nine million dollars. If, if Ben Zobrist... I know. Where's the what-if bell? If Ben Zobrist filed his retirement papers today at the league office... That would be $9 million all of a sudden fell into the lap of Tom Ricketts and Theo Epstein. Does that sound about right, you guys? About. Yeah, right about. All right. That'd be sort of interesting to have $9 million fall into your lap when the owner said, you know, about a month or so ago, oh, there's no more money for uh, player procurement. Now, we have to assume that there is money in the drawer after for July 31st, even when Rickett said that, what he meant was we're not dishing out dough for we're the whole year. We're not giving out $300 million to Harper or Machado is what he, they meant, yeah. And there's nothing more right now for one year in the beginning of the year. Yeah. There's probably money. You would certainly think every team's got money stowed away for July 31st. Now, what would happen if, not, if, if Ben says, you know what, look, I've played... I've done it all. You know, I got the World Series MVP. And Murph's got my bobblehead at home, which I do. It's the only bobblehead I have. I got a Ben Zobers bobblehead, that World Series MVP. Okay. Would it be out of the question that Ben Zobers might just be saying to himself, you know what? By the time I get back in shape, sure, he's probably working out with the high school team. Yeah, but that's not. Yeah, that doesn't help. Do you think that he might be thinking, you know what? What is the point? I got all this personal issues, you know. That'd be $9 million. Do you think that's something? No, it's not my money. Right. Now, he's only going to get $4.5 million of that, right? Because she'll get half? I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure yeah, either. No. But Never going through a divorce. Hopefully, you don't have to. But that seems to be what you uh-huh. always hear. Yeah. Every state might be different, right. but just, you know, just for talking points, all right? So it's really four and a half. Then after taxes, eh, what's that? Three more million? Take home? All right, whatever. If he were to retire, what would Theo and Tom Ricketts do with the nine mil? Let's start with Felix, big Cub fan. Felix, do you think that Ricketts would pocket it or give it to Theo? 
I would think he would give it a feel. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Sure. Fred? Yeah, yeah. All right. That's what they would do. All right. But it's it's found money. It's money that's already spent. Yeah. Yeah. So Sunk. now all of a sudden it just comes right in right. and they got it. Yeah. And they can spend it. You got it, you go with it. Yeah. It's like finding a dollar bill on the states on a sidewalk. Right. Sunk money, they used to call mm-hmm. it. They still do, but I refuse. All right. Now, fellas. What would uh, Theo then do with uh, $9 million uh, and a bullpen now that is in disarray? Uh, $9 million is not enough for Craig Kimbrell, so I don't oh, know what you're going to do. Why not for one year? Yeah. Because, well, if, if he wanted a one-year deal, I think he would have signed already somewhere. Yeah? Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe no one's offered him $12 million for this year only. Now it's down to $9 million. Yep. Felix? What do you think? You think nine million for uh, four months might uh, wet his uh, whistle? I mean, it would be nice. I wouldn't know necessarily what he wants. It's like Fred said. At this point, we don't really know what he wants. I know after the draft, we'll get more of an idea mm-hmm. of what Craig, Craig Kimball wants. All right, but I'm sure he's been getting a lot of offers. But yeah, it would be nice if the Cubs got him. Well, for let's sure. let's push the ball down the field. And you guys raise great points. I don't know. Maybe maybe you're right on, and I'm way off. But. Let's say there's no three, four-year deals coming up for him this season, all right? After the June draft or whatever. Maybe, excuse me, maybe he's better off if he feels in his heart that he's got it and his arm feels good. Says to himself, yeah, you know what? I'm going to kick butt for the next four months, and then my value will be right back up there, and maybe this time around I get that three-more-year deal for the big dough. Maybe that three-year deal, four-year deal is bye-bye right now, and he says, I'm going to reestablish myself. I'm going to show everybody, yeah, $9 million for, uh, for uh, four months, and then I can go back on the free market. I'm just saying that $9 million might be interesting to everybody involved if Ben Zobris turned it back in. That's all. We'll see. That would give them money. That's the one thing that we've heard that they don't have. So mm-hmm. it would give them some cash. Also, I just want to let everybody know, if I hear one more person say that Kimbrell wasn't good, and look, it was even Chris Sale that was closing out the final game of the World Series, it was 5-1. to one. They threw Chris Sale a bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig Kimbrell had p- pitched and closed in almost every one of those other games for the Red Sox. They were up 5-1. They brought in Sale, who had been hurt, hadn't pitched well. He got the outs. It wasn't that Craig Kimbrell wasn't wasn't still their closer. So people have to watch what they say, or at least try to be a little bit more accurate. Vote right now. Last chance to vote at ESPN 1000 Sox fans. The Sox have the third overall pick in the draft. Coming up in about a week and a half, two weeks. What should they take? College or high school pitcher or hitter? Cut fans? Will Tom Ricketts give Theo money for a bullpen move by July 31st? He better or no way. And Bears fans, the greatest Bears quarterback of all time. And you've all heard, I believe, the results of the interesting, interesting uh, uh, poll that was not a poll. You would call it a list, I right, guess. The right. list. Top 100. Rank, the centennial uh, celebration the word. of the Chicago Bears. Right. Uh, one, two, or three. Vote now. Greatest Bear QB ever. Jay Cutler, Jim McMahon. Sid Luckman, when Jesse joins us at 10 o'clock, everyone's been saying, Chetwood, Chetwood, ninth inning guy. And you know what? I've rejected that out of hand for the last couple of weeks. And I still wanted Fred rejected out of hand. Uh-huh. But sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures. I'm not there yet. Right. 
but there's a lot of reasons not to. But here's the other thing we'll ask Jesse. Is the Cubs' biggest need only the ninth inning closer? Or is there a, like a 1A and 1, one and 1A? You used to go to the race track. It was called yeah. an entry, right? That's when right. You bet you get both 1 and, and the 1A horse, yep. right? 1, 1A, 1B sometimes. Sometimes no, you have three horses never in the race. saw that. Yep. Uh-huh. Was it sportsmen uh, when they were bending the uh, wheels on the uh, carriage? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do. Do you know that, Felix? Yeah. Well, you you would say they've been their wheels. I say it was, everything was fair. <laughs> Remember the trotter? You, you fair and there completely they, fair. They sit right on a little carriage behind a horse. It's called yeah. a, the trotter. Yeah, I've been in one of those. All right. So the rumor always was they'd bend the wheels of the horse, the favorite, so he wouldn't win. So they, they bet on the long shots. You ever hear that one? Fred, Fred says. I it. never did. Never happened. Fred never bent the wheels, at least. No, never happened. <laughs> well, here's the other thing no one's talking about. Second base. The Cubs right now are dying at second base. Russell, it's early. I know. He's hitting 200. Seven for 35. Descalso, and who doesn't love him? Gotta love him. He's down to about 208, I believe. Zobrist, well, we don't know his status. Bodie, well, 250 hitter, but not a second baseman. Leadoff hitter. Well, you know, Schwartz is doing okay. Well, yes and no. You know who the Cubs need is a guy like last year's Daniel Murphy, Fred. Not this year's Daniel Murphy, but last year's Daniel Murphy. The Cubs badly need, I don't know where they're going to get him. I don't know who he is. They badly need a second base leadoff man. Well, they're looking for something. They just sent Mark Zagunis back down to Iowa today. Just really? now. Yeah, so no word uh, as of yet what the corresponding move will be. I don't know if it'll be a pitcher or if uh, I, someone said Ian Happ had a big game the other day. So. Fred, here's my yellow pad for uh-huh. Jesse. Zagunis. Is he, uh, is he worth being on a 25-man roster well, in the League? apparently not. So that Mark was... Zagunis just gets uh, sent down, optioned back on down to Iowa. So we'll see what happens. Well, Maybe he... Ian Happ comes up. See, you can't have a guy like Zagunis... In the current National League, when you only have four guys on the bench, 13 pitchers, one of the guys on the bench is a catcher. You have three guys. You have to have multi-position guys now that can play more than just the corners. And so Zagunas, you know, he maybe scares the opposing manager to bring in a lefty. Uh, he had one purpose, you know, hammer a lefty as a pinch hitter. I was in Iowa. Lovely Dana and I went, speaking of uh-huh. Ian Happ. Yep. Lovely Dana and I went to Iowa. I drove out there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday for a few days, dodging the uh, lightning and the tornadoes. Uh, Hap's only hitting two twenty-eight. So we get out there uh, Monday for the day game, right? Uh-huh. Hey, Dean Ellis, there's a voice of the uh, Iowa Cubs. Hey, Dan, hey, Murph. Well, it gets rained out Sunday's game, so we had what they call a double bubble. There you go, seven-inning games. Yeah, well, we forgot that, so the... F- I hadn't been to a minor league doubleheader in in a long time. All minor league doubleheaders, seven innings. So the Cubs are ahead at the end of the uh, seventh inning, and they start playing your favorite song. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? The Cubs are going to win. And Dana, lovely Dana, says, that's sort of a jinx. It's sort of premature. You know, it's only the end of seven. And then we look up, and they're all high-fiving and walking out. It was the end of the game. That's it. Game's over. Doubleheader, right? Uh Uh-huh. Happer. Five strikeouts. 
Well, then maybe they won't bring him up. Good news is we only saw three because it got a little chilly and the, and the hurricane season, uh, tornadoes rolling in from the west. But a great, great place to go for a, if you're a Cub fan, you want to get away, drive to Des Moines, beautiful town, the ballpark's beautiful, lots of activity, fun, fun thing to do. Just make sure it's not underwater. When we, I'm telling you. It does quite often. We got hit by what uh, Tom Skilling would call, just as we crossed the Mississippi heading west over to Quad Cities, a bow echo. Yeah. Purple and red. Sure. But then there was a steak and shake, and we went in there and just had some. That's all you need. They That's got the four for four. We're going to talk. Four meals at Steak and Shake. We're going to talk some Bears back with Cubs and Sides. Jesse John Mullen, busy day. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Jesse Rogers in a few minutes. John Mullen in the 11 o'clock hour talking Bears. Murph and Fred right now. Lots to get to. Main topic today is the Cubs bullpen. How bad is it? That's BS. Blown save? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, 11 out of 20 opportunities. So I'm trying to figure out, because the box scores on my phone last night and printed today, they don't have blown save for C-Shack. They just have them with the loss, but they blew two saves. Right. They blew two leads, which means... You blew two save opportunities, Brock yep. and C-Shack, right? Yep, both of them blown saves. So C-Shack gets the blown save and the loss. When you come in out of the bullpen and your team has the lead, if yeah. you give up the lead, yeah. it's a blown save no matter where in the game it is. So Brock's got one, sure, and then uh, the C-Shack. Cubs took the lead and C-Shack got one. So that boosted him from nine BSs to 11. Right. Which is a always reminds me you can get a you can blow have a blown save and a, and a win and a win. Uh huh. With John Dewan, we used to call it a BS win. Yeah. And in fact, it happened. Strope, if you remember the game where Chetwood started and went six innings on a Sunday about three weeks ago, right. he went six innings. Strope blew the save in the top of the ninth, and then uh, I apologize. Someone homered, yeah. and they walked off, and then so Strope. Blue to save, he's back in the dugout, and the Cubs win the game. Yeah. So he had a BS win, which I believe you should never be allowed to get a win. That's another reason why the official scorekeeper, in my opinion, should be able to award the W anytime to anybody he wants. Well, if wins don't mean anything anymore, why do you even have to give a win? Well, and this is why they don't matter. <laughs> if they actually were awarded, I believe if the win was awarded to the actually the most effective pitcher, right. then I believe the wins would have merit again. Uh, I guess. But who's going to get... Because well, we'll, now they don't matter. Yeah. But it, it's tough to give a win to a, a, a guy who where they weren't winning when the guy left. Well, that's just because in the 1880s, that was easier to do, I'm guessing. Yeah. And nothing will change. So, uh, tell you what, let's bring in Felix the, Felix the Cat. What were the results? Twitter poll number one. Now, all week long, fun, fun chatter on ESPN 1000 about the uh, the Bears' top 100 all-time, all-time being the operative word, top 100 all-time players. And, uh, oh, I heard every midweek when the, the 75 through 100 came out, right. Fred, and then 50 through 75 came out, and then 25 through 50 came out. Yep. And uh, I have to, I have to admit, I was—I don't know what they were. I, I was pretty dismayed. Uh, uh, so many people said, you know, 
to paraphrase everybody, callers, uh, people on, on the air, everybody. You know what? It better not be putting guys like uh, Luckman, uh, uh, you know, Red Grange, uh, Bronco Nagurski, uh, those old guys. They better not be putting them in the in the top uh, uh, ten. Well, this is an all-time Chicago Bears history oh, list. Oh, Right. Did you say all There's a hundred. There's a reason they're time. doing the list, and that is 100 years. All so. time, right? Right. Hmm. Right. So, first of all, here's a new poll question. Seed the clouds with this. The Bears, this is a yes or no. Vote now at ESPN 1000. The Bears' top 10, I'm sorry, the Bears' top 100 all-time rankings had too many old-timey guys. Yes or no? Vote now. The Bears' top 100 all-time rankings had too many of those damn old-timey guys, you know, before 1969. Yes or no? Why 1969, Fred? That was 50 years. Yep. Do you think in 69, if they'd have done a top 50 for the first 50 years, any of those guys would still be on the... on the new list, see? How, you can't just erase history. No. But I know a lot of you youngins out there, I don't want any part of hearing the names of guys I didn't see play or don't know about. Hey, Link Lyman's going to be on the list no matter what. And I got to tell you, this, the first time I ever seen his name is when I saw it on the list. I gave you my li- I do not know Link Lyman. Do I have oranges? Orange? Yeah. High- okay. You've, you've, you've or- you put an orange highlighter under Link Lyman. Well, here. Here's the six names... The six oranges there, Fred? Yeah. Here's the six names I never heard of. Okay. And I like to sort of fancy myself as a guy who knows who played before I was a fan. Right. Even, all right? That's everybody's choice. You know, you don't have to know who played the game before you became a fan. I just find it interesting. I never heard of number 33. Good old George Trafton. Okay. I was in the Hall of Fame. And Me neither. My bad. Right. I never heard of number 38, as you just referred to. Good old Link Lyman. Also in the Hall of Fame. Never heard of him. I apologize to the uh-huh. Lyman. Sorry, Link. Uh, number 49. He's the missing Link in my opinion. <laughs> Ray Bray. That's not even a real guy. Ray Bray. Number 49. Ahead of Mark Bortz. Not his uniform number. They probably didn't have uniform numbers when he played. Right. But still, number 32 of the six I never heard of. Number, number 52. I'm sorry, 52. Can't read my own handwriting. Joe Kopka. Kopcha. Sounds like someone from from Berlin or from Cicero. Uh-huh. Not good friend. Sure does. I know. They Great went to name. school with him. Was, was that back in Cicero? Yeah. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in I unless know. I see it. That was Joe Kop- Kopcha right there. Over by 22nd and uh, Laramie over in Cicero. I never heard of number 68. Dick... Barwagon. Barwagon. And never. I never heard of a number 88, Joey a Stern, Sternerman. Sternerman. All right. Yep. But Fred. I didn't know Herman Lee either. Oh, Herman Lee? Yeah. Big old number 70, offensive lineman for the champion Bears in 63. Huh. Oh, yeah. He was a- I knew Bob Wachowska, number oh, yeah. 63. Yeah, Good 63. old number 63. Well, yeah. It's funny you should bring up the 63 Bears. I did a little bit of uh, homework here. Believe it or not. So here's what I found of everything the most interesting. Of the 100, okay? Right. I counted up in uh, 
in green there. Do you have green highlights? Yeah. No. Okay, okay. Green highlights. Everyone that played on the uh, 85 Super Bowl of Bears, all sure. right? Sure, sure. And in uh, yellow, I highlighted everyone that played on the 63 World Champion, uh, uh, now you call Super Bowl Bears, all right? No, oh, mine's different. The okay. list you gave me is yeah, different. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't do it on this one. Right. But let's check this out. Which do you think there are more of? The 63 world champs or the 85 uh, world champs? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I probably, well, I would say 85. Yeah, but, you would. Yeah. That's why you'd be wrong. Uh-huh. There are 19 Bears in the top 100 that played for the Super Bowl uh, Ditka 85 Bear. 19. There are 20 that played for the 63 championship Bears. Well, which is funny because Ditka's on the, as the 63 champ, not as the 85 champ. I would think so, right? right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, the first 25 names. Now, the guys that did this. Uh, uh, Dan Pearson, great guy, and I've uh, Don, I, I met Dan. We had him on Don Pearson and Dan Pompey and Danny Pompey. Right. I once had a cock, I once had a cold beer with Dan Pompey in Palm Springs, California, back in uh, like 1983, when I was watching spring training and the Cubs had to go the giant triangle. They had to go to Palm Springs to play the Angels, then they go all the way over to Yuma to play the Padres. Goose Gossage and I had a couple of cold ones in okay. Yuma. But there's Danny Pompey. Great guy. Great guy. But here's what I found sort of interesting. The first 25 names, right? Yep. I call these guys pre-1969 because that was the 50th year of the Bears. And post-1969, uh, the uh, current 50-year guys. The first 25, there are 13. 13 of uh, 13 of the pre-69 and uh, we got about uh, 11 or so of the post so it's almost split it's almost split give or take back of the envelope math but they balanced it out see they balanced it out and the next 25 it was almost a 50-50 also give or take so I think Dan and Dan made an intentional effort to not short shrift the uh, old-timey guys. Give or take. Yeah, it could be. Give or take. You know, they said, we want out of those guys just as much as the current guys. And then I heard a lot this week, Fred, maybe you agree. Well, you know what? Back in those old days, they just barnstormed. You know, they're barns. They weren't a, well, it's always been a real league. And if you were elite and the best back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, does it just get erased? You know, it's hard to compare eras. Yeah. We've learned that from every sport. Right. Very hard to compare eras. Felix, let's come in and give us the results, please, of uh, Twitter poll number one. The greatest Bears quarterback of all time. Now, let the record show Luckman, Sid Luckman, was awarded the number four slot. All right. And uh, Jim McMahon, number 53. And uh, Jake Cutler, 85. So... Based on that, you would think there's going to be a runaway, about 80% voting for Sid Luckman. I voted for Luckman out of those three. What do you want to guess? Well, when I voted, I saw, this, I saw the percentages. So I, ah, I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that works. I guarantee you this. 
Jim McMahon's going to win this in a runaway. Oh, I don't think so. Because people hate old-timey guys like Sid Luckman, and people uh, dislike uh, uh, Jay Cutler. I'm going to guess that Jim McMahon, 75 to 80%. I voted like you, Fred. Sid Luckman. Felix, did you vote? I did vote. All right. How vote you? Um, do you want the results, or do you want to know who How I voted you vote? I'll vote oh, you. I voted for Jay Cutler. All right. So let me and guess. That's basically by stats. That's all I'm going based yeah, on. Yeah, because I wasn't around. I didn't get to watch a lot of those games back in the days either. So yeah, so kind of hard just, for me to vote for that. Too. I wouldn't want to say you're voting out of ignorance. Then you could have just abstained. Yeah, but no. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. You did what everybody did. All right, I'm guessing Sid Luckman and Jake Cutler each got about ten percent. What? Who is the winner? All right, the winner is forty-one percent. Jay Cutler. Yep. That is the winner. Next. 31% Sid Luckman, and then 28% Jim McMahon. Interesting, Fred. Yep. I think it's right. Even though, because you look at the numbers and and how long, you know, I voted for Luckman. Mm -hmm. I, again, did not see Luckman play. I knew the numbers. I knew what he had done. Uh, and for the longest time, we always talked about how the Bears didn't have a quarterback since Sid Luckman, kind of like the uh, Cubs didn't have a third baseman since Ron Sano, even though people kept forgetting about Bill Madlock. Um, so, yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me they put Cutler because yeah. a lot of people out there, he was the guy. And some people disliked him because they had to deal with him. Other people didn't have to deal with him, and they just saw what he did on the team and you know, led them to an NFC championship game and things like that. Vote right now. The Bears' top 100 all-time rankings had too many of those darn old-timey guys. Yes or no? Back in a flash, Jesse in a few minutes, John Mullen around 11 o'clock. And Fred, I counted up, I saw on TV or in person, 75 of the 100. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's because I've been around for a while. Uh-huh. Murph Red Grange at 36. The galloping ghost. How could he have been that low? Did not see him. Back in the flash, ESPN 1000. Jesse Rogers in about nine minutes says, I got some bullpen updates information. Fred has Cubs starting uh, lineup. We'll do that with Jesse when he visits. A 25-man roster change. Uh, and uh, Mark Zagunas. I never memorize their name, Fred, unless they're here two months. Mark Zagunas. Yep. Back to, it appears, uh, AAA Iowa. Uh, no uh, corresponding move that we know of yet. Maybe Jesse will find out. You know, they could bring up a pitcher for one day. They could. And go with a shorter bench than ever, considering they really use Zagunas. Well, after, but at... Uh... After yesterday and the two blown saves, do you want to bring up a pitcher from the minor leagues and risk another one? Well, they got some hard throwers down there. It depends how worried they are about who's got bullets in the arm and right. overuse, and maybe that's what happened uh, to. Uh, well, they were lucky the other day because you had you had a guy like um, Chatwood come in and go oh, yeah. four innings. Oh, I that's, mean, that's that one, was amazing. That, but right. he should always be ready. They should. I think Jesse used the phrase bookend. You should always use, you know, when Darvish is pitching, have Chatwood ready. They have to. And then you can always you can always use those two. That's not a yeah. bad, you know, one and one A in that, or five and five A if you must. It's a great idea, except then it diminishes your uh, bullpen by one more arm for the next four days. Because then you can't pitch either guy 
perform our, if you go four innings, four innings. Yeah, but what that also does is it also gives everybody else a rest. No, that's true. So you get an extra rest yeah. there. So I don't know. It's 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 a way to to figure it out. They're they're blowing saves. It's early in the season. You know, the ball's flying out of the yard. Uh, I'd like to see what the numbers of blown saves yeah. all around baseball. Well, trouble at Clark and Addison and River City. Let's bring in Felix the Cat. Uh, here were the numbers. I sort of goofed him up. The top 25 Bears, 13 of them old-timey guys. The next 25 through uh, 50, uh, 14 of those 25 old-timey Bears. So 27 of the top 50, more than half, old-timey Bears, which uh, leads us to our poll question. The Bears' top 100 all-time, get it, all-time, rankings had too many of those down old-timey guys. I had defined that as uh, before 1969, 44 overall out of 100, yes or no. I have no idea what is going, Fred. I have no idea. I don't think people like old-timey guys. I think they go, yeah, we don't want to hear about those old, old-timey old guys like Brock Odegurski, Sid Luckman. What do you think? Rick Caceres. Oh, I love They don't Rick. want to hear about Rick Caceres. Carlin Hill. Yep. I'm glad that Willie Gallimore made the list, number 61. Maybe Johnny Morris is out there listening. John, love you, buddy. I, I got to tell you, um, Patrick Manley and uh, Kyle Long, two guys that probably would not have been on my list. Hmm. So, yeah. And it's hard for me to put Khalil Mack on, even though... What he did last year. That was one year. I heard someone say, no active players should have been eligible. Yeah, yeah. That was a great point. Felix, how, how do the fans vote on uh, this? Too many old-timey guys, yes or no? 52% are saying yes. 48% are saying no. Yeah, pretty much split. Yeah. Here's yep. here's the key phrase, everybody. Is my microphone on? Is it working here, Felix? All, all time. All time. Uh, White Sox fans, how'd they vote? The Sox have the third pick coming up in the draft, June 5th. Should they take a college, uh, high school pitcher, a college or a high school a hitter? Four choices, what'd they say? 47% are saying college pitcher. Yeah. Wow, <sighs> that's what I would have thought, Fred. No. Uh-oh. All right. I, 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 we had, I had Jim Callis All on right. Sunday, and he said they're, you know, Probably no pitcher will go until 7. All right, let's cover that. Uh, and Cub fans, will Tom Ricketts give Phil money for a bullpen move by July 31st? A, he better be. No way. Said he's out of, out of player dough. Answer was? 73% are saying he better. So he better is right. Jesse Rogers next. John Mullen in an hour. Murph and Fred till noon. And we're going to see the Memorial Day Parade's going to march right past us here on State Street. Back in a flash, ESPN 1000.
from downtown Chicago, broadcasting live from the first Midwest Bank studio on State Street. This is ESPN 1000 WMVP Chicago. Welcome back. Saturdays are right. And I hope, uh, we both hope, of course, you're off to a great uh, holiday weekend. And Fred, we always say, please remember why we have Memorial Day uh-huh. and who we are, uh, uh, who is in our memory uh, for all our uh, fallen heroes. Might not be a bad idea to sort of, you know, tell your 10-year-old, your 15-year-old, and remind your 20-year-old, uh, you know, why we're in the backyard and have the, everyone has right. the day off Monday, okay? Yeah, and also, again, bring the radio with because I'm working today, tomorrow, and Monday. Wow, so, cool. You know, you can get plenty of sports talk right here on ESPN 1000. Fred Hat Trick Hubner. Uh-huh. All right, three in a row. Yep. One minute away from Jesse Rogers. All right, uh, miss a little, miss a lot. Listening to ESPN 1000, I was uh, yesterday, as I always do. And uh, Jesse was on at uh, now at one twenty. Now, let's see what time was 11, uh, 12 minutes after 11. I'll get it right. That would have been the uh, Caparoo, right? Yep. And Jesse's talking about this is yesterday prior to two more blown saves, uh, Brock and Ciszek in the course of one game. Here's Jesse, you know, about roughly this time yesterday, talking about the bullpen. There's two issues. One is Carl Edwards Jr. He's really sort of messing things up. If you've noticed, Cap, when Edwards gets into a game now, Joe will have a reliever or two warming up the moment Edwards gets in. That wasn't always the case. And no manager wants to do that. And the relievers don't like it either because they could warm up and then sit back down. Point being, if Edwards gets through the inning, they don't need him. If Edwards gets into trouble, they got to bring in a guy. So he's, he's getting guys ready earlier. That's not a great thing. The other thing is he isn't lined up so well. So you see Kinsler come in the middle of the inning, sit down after he gets out of it, and go back out there. Same thing with Ciszek. That's not good for a reliever either. There's their adrenaline thing going on, a lot of energy used to, to get out of an inning and then sit back down. Joe doesn't like that, but he's out of necessity had to do things he doesn't like because of Edwards' sort of up and down season and the fact that he's not, you know, he's not rounded out in that bullpen. We all know they're short there. So guys are going to have to get to sit down like C-Sheck and Kinsler for more than a day at a time. I know Kinsler's down. I don't know where C-Sheck is right now, but he very well could be down too. Uh, they they could really use Pedro Strope and his fresh arm back soon, and he's going to throw another bullpen, do a rehab. So I would think he's about a week away, Cap. But it is it is it, they're they're doing they're doing it right now at the back end of the bullpen, you know, with masking tape. You know what I mean? It's it's tough. They 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 don't have a a good rhythm back there, seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, and it's going to catch up with it. That was Jesse. Got a little, little swami Jesse in him there, huh? <laughs> Jesse Rogers, ESPN 1000 baseball man on the beat with the Cubs. Jesse, it's Murph. It's Fred. Good morning. That guy doesn't shut up. Just nah. make a point and let the other guy talk. Yeah, it's sort of like back at the, the old FM days putting in a guy to DeVita on and then you go to yeah. the bathroom, you know. Well, and it's funny. It's funny that you said this because I get up and I don't know, you know, if, if people that are on Facebook, they always give you 
things that you tweeted, you know, uh, Facebook a year before or two years yeah. before. This morning I get up and the first thing I see on my Facebook, it said, nine years ago you tweeted this. And I, I tweeted, now that the Stanley Cup final is set, we'll talk with Jesse Rogers later today. <laughs> so nine years ago today, I was talking to you about the Blackhawks in the final. I thought That's it was great. now that the uh, uh, Stanley Cup is over. We won't have to hear Jesse for six more months, I thought you were going to say. <laughs> hey, fans, say hi to Jesse Rogers. Does a great job. Jesse, that was fun listening yesterday. Miss Little Miss a lot. The bullpen, you were uh, quite uh, prophetic as uh, two more blown saves yesterday. And fans now are getting a little itchy about all this. What can you bring to the table today? Let me give you a little perspective. I don't know if this is going to make fans happier or not. I mean, bullpens all over baseball are blowing up. Let me give you this stat, Murph. Right now, as of today, as we head towards June, there are 10 bullpens in the National League, 10 out of 15, with an ERA over four. The Cubs are right there at 398, but 10 over four. Now, we're just now getting to the warm weather, right? In 2015, I just randomly picked a recent year. In 2015, at the end of the season, there were only two bullpens with ERAs over four. Only two. There's 10 right now. And again, we're just getting to the warmer, good-hitting weather. Mm -hmm. So everyone's blowing up. That's number one. There were 59 home runs hit in the majors yesterday. Did you guys see this? Yeah. The second most ever in a day. And actually, probably, it turns out, if you think about it the most, because there were only 14 games yesterday. Uh, when they had the most in 2002, there were 16 games played. 59 home runs. So the Cubs contributed to, what, like five of them. Of course, the worst one was the Suarez one. So things are happening all over the league that we haven't seen in years. However, the 45% save conversion, uh, just 9 of 20, they've blown 11. That is last in the National League. Now, look, contenders are going to have more save chances than, than non-contenders. So the raw number doesn't matter because you're, eventually you're going to blow more than, than the Marlins because you're going to have more chances. But the 45% is what's huge. You can't you can't have that as a contender. Theo and Jed know that. Uh, uh, Joe knows that as well. They know yeah, that. The funny thing, killer. the funny thing for the Marlins is they got Sergio Romo, who's nine out of ten. So right. So yeah, even the Marlins are better, even though they have less chances right. to win. Right. Jesse, hold that thought. We'll get right. But big picture, and those were great numbers. Why would it? Let's try to figure this out. We're three guys that have watched a lot of ball games in our life. Why would it be that, uh, what did you have, five years ago? That was a great stat, how bullpen yeah. uh, uh, ERA. Now, I thought this was the era of the, uh, you know, the one-inning guy, the uh, one-inning uh, max effort guy, the OMG guy. You would think, and again, that's why you have the numbers and we're wrong, you would think that these bullpens, they keep bringing in that 95-96 heat in the 7th and the 8th and the ninth, And, uh, boy, you better score early. And, uh, you know, after the third inning, the 6th inning, the third time through, blah, blah, yada, yada. Wouldn't you think, fellas, just intuitively, what, they keep bringing in this heat, bringing in this heat, these one-inning max effort guys? You would think that the ERA would be better late in the game. Well, it's an interesting point now. I'll go a step further. Theo Epstein's on the competition committee, and one of the things they've been addressing is the lack of, of late-inning rallies, but not this season. Hmm. Not this season. There are plenty of late-inning rallies. Look at those bullpen ERAs. My answer to your question is over time. This is my answer. I don't know for sure. Over time, 
these one-inning guys are getting used up. Even the one-inning guys are getting overused. Carl Edwards Jr., you want a, you want an example, right, staring at us? Right. In, in, in 16, 17, the guy was throwing 96, 96 and a half, 97 at times. Now he's at 95, down to 94. Even that two or three miles can make a huge difference. So maybe those max effort guys are only good, like we talk about with relievers, for a short period. There's only so many bullets in that arm. Yes. And now we're seeing this all, you know, there's no, there's no backups. You know, these are the guys that have been used over these last few years. And there's, you, you, you can move, move around the deck and, chairs, but you end up with the same thing. And you end up uh, bringing up what they used to call 4A guys. You bring mm-hmm. up guys from Iowa. Well, they throw 95, 96, but it turns out they're at Iowa for a well, uh, good reason. Uh, speaking of 4A guys, uh, the Cubs have sent Norwood and Zagunas back to Iowa and just brought up Tim Collins and Dylan Maples. Two pitchers. So two yes. fresh arms. Yeah. Let yeah. the so, record show. I projected that a minute ago off the air. I said, yeah. Jesse, I said to Fred and Felix, I said, you know what? They might not even replace Zagunas with a, a position player. Go one day, because they don't use them anyway. Go one day with a, now what, 14 pitchers? 14, with, 14 pitchers. Two guys tr- on the bench, not counting the backup catcher. Three on the bench. Two of them are uh, position players. It's because uh, Cantini can play others, but still, it's crazy. If you didn't like the pace and length of games, now the Cubs have fourteen pitchers, amazing nine relievers, mm-hmm. and this. And remember, this is a, Theo loves the idea of everybody only having eleven. Well, he's going against the grain because obviously the, the rules state you can have as many as you want. And the Cubs certainly need some arms. So fourteen oh. pitchers. I didn't think we'd live. Yeah, uh, you know, maybe maybe it's just for a day. Maybe it's because of the last couple of days, just to get through a Darvish start. But man, that is just it's just gotten that highlights the concerns they have right there because I don't think Joe wants fourteen pitchers. Well, but for maybe a day or two. Yeah, well, yeah. you mentioned because eventually, the, you know, one of the rules that they're talking about is having a limit on pitchers, so you can't right. have this many pitchers on your roster for any. Theo given would day. like that. Theo yeah. would like that. He thinks that would solve a lot of the problems forget the three batter minimum go to 11 pitchers and the right. trickle down effect will to get help rid everything. of the uh, one uh, inning max uh, guy yeah and right one of the things we talked about too earlier was that you know and i'm not sure I, we had you on yesterday i think you you said bookending and i wasn't sure if you meant darvish and then chatwood for four innings or exactly what but darvish i mean um chatwood can't go that many innings today because darvish is pitching but chatwood just pitched recently Right, that's why they probably called up an extra arm. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to piece it together if Darvish goes short. Right, um, it's a, it's another good hitter's day. It's warm out there, so who knows? Or, or Darvish is just is just going to have to wear it, sure. and they might lose a lose a big number game, or they might win because he's been pitching well. I don't know, but they're preparing. For the worst, but when you talk about a 14-man pitching staff, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Well, Montgomery uh, threw four pitches yesterday, and uh, did, and on Thursday pitched through 16 pitches. So you know he pitched two days in a row. You're not going to get four or five out of him, that's for sure. So. No, he's. I would. I would bet he's down. I know Kinsler's down. Seashack mm. has to probably be down. Oh gosh, yes. break no matter and what. Brock, he's down. Threw, Brock threw one and two thirds yesterday, so he yeah. wouldn't pitch. Thirty six pitches. So even if they even if they don't need all of those guys, uh. they're going to need somebody to finish off the game, and it won't be their main line guys. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it'll be Maples because their main guys. I mean the 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 eleven the the, blown, the eleven of. 20 20 blown saves says a lot to me. People and, and, and people should understand, this isn't like ninth inning blowing saves. You can blow a save basically from the sixth inning on. If you come in with the lead, and if you are the pitcher that's going to finish the game, and it's a save opportunity, that's a blown save. If you blow it in the sixth, seventh, mm. or eighth, 
and that's why they blew two yesterday, for example. I think it's very telling because the team ERA from the relief core is 398. That's fifth in, in, in the National League. That sounds good. But when you are, but that, but that, but that includes if you're down five to one and you pitch four of clean innings, big right. deal. But when you are blowing one, two run leads in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and of course the ninth, when you have to go to fifteen innings because you blew a save, I think that's very telling. And they are not pitching well in high leverage situations. Obviously, that forty five percent tells it right there. So the question is, and we'll address it now with Jesse Rogers. What next? How to improve the bullpen? But let's take a look backwards before we look forward. The bullpen last year, in uh, like June and July before Morrow went down, here's what they had. They had the Strope, they had Morrow, and don't forget they had Wilson. Morrow goes down, they pick up Chavez, who was terrific uh, the last two months. So this year, offseason, they lost Chavez, they lost Wilson, and uh, Morrow never came back, and now Strope's down. All they really were able to replace, they knew, rather, bring in was uh, Brock, pretty much, right. you know, as established. Sure, they're mixing and matching. So they're still two, two down, and without Strope, they're, they're three down. Now, he just had legs, so his arms should be fresh and good to go. But Jesse... What happens now? Do they wait till July thirty first? Try to make the uh, you know make a trade at the end. Uh, I have a idea uh, regarding uh, Ben Zobris, but before we get to that, I mean they can't wait till July thirty first, or can they? No, no. First of all, getting Strope back in a week will settle some things down, but not completely because we know he's not a you know he's not Mariano Rivera or anything close to that. He's very good. He's not a true stopper, but he will help solidify. I think the 7th, 8th, and ninth. After that, I believe there'll be a June trade. Usually it's after the draft because everyone's, you know, in the war room, get, you know, getting their mm-hmm. drafts ready. I think there'll be a June trade, but not for the closer. It'd be a 7th, 6th, 8th inning guy. I, You know, there's so many relievers out there, I can't pinpoint who. But look you got to give up something. Now, let's yeah. look at that. They're not going to give you those guys. Now, the Cubs do have two young catchers years away, I believe you could probably say it, A or low yep. A, high yep. A. Now, Contreras and catchers will turn on you. You know, it's funny. You look at uh, Giovanni Soto. You look at Willing Castillo. You look sure. at these guys, you think they're going to be seven, eight, year, nine guys. And I hope. Uh, Wilson Contreras is. He's in good shape. He looks like he will, but you never know. But two catchers you don't need, so maybe there's one. Uh, Nico. Uh, uh, Nico Horner. Horner. Dinged up right now. But you hate to start trading away your inventory, but you may have no choice. No one on the big club, in my opinion, uh, can you trade right now because you can't replace them. You need everybody you have. So what are they going to do? Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned Montgomery before. They probably do need him, but I never thought they would need two long men. But maybe they do because huh. Hamels and Lester have yeah. tendencies to go short, and we know Darvish can. Wow. But normally I would say Montgomery because you don't need Chatwood and Montgomery in the bullpen, and he's not a short inning, get Joey Votto out and come out of the game type hmm. of pitcher. So Montgomery's still one yeah, guy. Half, yeah. obviously, the, the two, you're right. They do have two catchers. Um, yeah, I mean, Nico Horner, I mean, here's the thing. you got to remember the window, and they, they know it too. Lester's up after next year. Yeah. Hamels is up this year. Um, you you got to go for it. You're in first place now. You know you're going to be there to the end unless the offense tanks again for a second year in a row. You can't predict that. So you have to go for it. If you have to give up a little bit of the farm to potentially get to the next World Series, you do that. Um, here's the good news. I do think the market's going to be absolutely flooded with relievers. Even closers. I mean, we can name five or six right now from 
Sean Doolittle to, to Green on Detroit to Colome to I mean we could uh, although the Sox are playing well maybe they don't get rid of them I mean they're, they're the and then then and then the seventh and eighth inning guys out there the Giants are going to trade the Marlins so it will be flooded it doesn't take a lot to get a seventh or eighth inning guy hmm. it does take a little bit as we've seen with Chapman and others to get the ninth now the guy. sooner you try to make that deal the more you have to give up sort of like in the stock market options they expire worthless on july 31st so to make the move now you're gonna have to pony up more than or then again at the last day you got to pony up again yes. it's in the, so it's in the middle of the donut hole where maybe it's softer i don't know this it, it's it's such a great point murph it, it, it is the cat and mouse game that gms play with each other from the day after the draft till july 31st <clears throat> Um, in hmm. some ways, you like when the use free agency, for example, when the Cubs jumped on Chatwood, they thought they were jumping the market, getting him early um, before other guys were established. You know, the, the the free agent market was established, and at least they got him in the fold. Then they went after Darvish and spent more money. I almost view this the same way. They're going to jump the market on somebody in June, and then have to spend a little bit more in July. You're right; it works both ways. To get someone early. That means somebody else giving up their, their a top reliever or closer in June. Yeah, it's it's going to cost you. You get them for three months instead mm-hmm. of two. Sure, but but you're also right on July 31st. If there's one closer <laughs> yeah. left, yeah. six teams are going after him. All of a sudden, the price goes up. So mm. striking at the right time is important. Yeah. It, it, it it might be easier in Jed and Theo's case, Murph, because. Mm. They they they're they might be in such desperation mode that the, as soon yeah. as they can strike, as soon as there's another team interested, they might do it. Musical chairs, you know, just yeah. there, there's so much. We read so much stuff about the Cubs between you and everything else we read. Ken Giles, I saw that name within within the last week that the Cubs were showing some interest or scouting or whatever. Do you know anything else about that? No, he's in the, he's in the mix with. With Sean Doolittle, okay. I think they've stayed in touch with Craig Kimbrell. Um, just seriously, any non-contender, the Cubs have talked to him. I mean, I okay. pretty much know that for a fact. So, I but here's what I don't know: if they have, if they put them all in a hat, which one they lined them all up? Right. You know, which one would they want the most? Now we can just look at who's having a great season. Cole Amay's having a good one. Uh, Giles' ERA is under two, I believe. I don't know how many. One thirty-one. He he's ten yeah, of eleven. So, yeah. So yeah. So he's having a good one. But I, uh, of even the good ones, I can't tell you which one they love. Oh, the I most. do. They want the one that doesn't ask for uh, Nico Horner back. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I actually think that Sean Doolittle is is could be in play. They've had a good relationship with Mike Rizzo. You got to look at the contract too. Uh, last year of his deal, um, unless he finishes 100 games, then an option kicks in. I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to get there. Uh, 100 games over two years. Um, so you have to look at the contract. I don't know where Giles is. Is he a free agent at the end of this year? I haven't looked. Yeah, I don't know but either. There's a few. Doolittle is a free agent. Coleman right. has one year of control. So you mm-hmm. got to look at that as well. So, right. okay. so Sean Doolittle would be would be welcomed by Joe Madden after Sean Doolittle yes. said that he's always just trying to show how how, how smart he is. Yes. <laughs> If he okay. can save a game, he'll be welcome. Okay, I got you. All right, Jesse, let's get serious now. I rolled this past Fred and uh, Felix in the first hour, and they were kind enough not to laugh at me. Okay, now, let's take a serious look at Ben Zobrist. And we all love Ben. I have his, he's the only bobblehead I have. At, well, I have Ronsano <laughs> bobblehead, and somehow I got a Mike Murphy bobblehead years ago from some, I don't know how. But... My Ben Zobrist, World Series MVP. We all love Ben Zobrist. He makes $12.5 million this year, last year of a four-year deal. It was sort of middle-loaded, short, and then middle, bigger money years, two and three. Anyways, twelve point five right now. Jesse, where did you go to high school again? Uh, you went to Glenbrook North? Or, uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Did you take math? 
Okay. Yes, Just as much say, as he had to. Right. The season, <laughs> he went through to high school, but the high school didn't go through him, the old joke. <laughs> right. Okay, now, here's the thing. 12.5 million, we can all do this in our head. The season's one-fourth over, a little over one-fourth. Three million, three million, three million, three million, nine. He has nine million still coming, Ben Zobrist, okay? Mm-hmm. Give or take a buck. All right. Now, Ben Zobrist right now would be sitting and he's thinking, okay, nine more million. I haven't played in a while. I got to work out. I got problems. Uh, something about Tennessee. I've read the state laws, whatever, whoever. Right. Uh, nine million. All right. Uh, spouse will get half probably depending on state law. That's four and a half million of my nine million coming. Tax man, so I'll have I get about three million. That's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. Do not get anybody get me wrong. Right. I mean, he might be thinking, okay, you know what? This has been fun. This has been good. I'm going to call the league office, submit my official, you know, retirement. Now, if that were to all happen, and that's still what if, you know, that's still why we have, you know, a, a what if bell. That would be nine million dollars. Out of the blue, dumped into the lap of uh, Tom Ricketts and Theo. Would you guess that Tom Ricketts would pocket the nine million or say, "Theo, look at this, nine million, one or the other"? I actually think he would say, "Theo, look of at this," course. because it was of part course. of the baseball. No market. doubt yes. about it. Yeah. Now, let's let's look at uh, the much discussed uh, uh, Craig Kimbrell. All right. Yeah. And Fred said he doesn't want a one year, and you're probably right, right. Fred. You're probably right. Fred said. I'm saying. Let's look at Kimberly. You call him up. You say, we got $9 million for you for the last uh, four months. All right? And he says to himself, well, I don't know I'm going to get that big $15 million a year for four years, uh, three million right now. Maybe I do this. Maybe I kick butt for the last four months, show everybody I'm a good guy, my arm's okay, rack up 30 out of 32 save opportunities, and then maybe I strike gold this offseason, would there be a chance if A, the Zobrist money, you know, were to somehow come back, and then B, if you offered one year, nine million, throw another million you found in all those 17,000 hot dogs they sell every day, (laughs) and say 10 million for this year, then you're a free agent, and Good luck to you. What do you think? Um, I think the Cubs would be more inclined to do it than Kimbrell. I just can't yeah. see him four mm-hmm. months from now having to be back to where he started. All right, you know let me saying? interject. Correct. Yeah. But who's going to come up now and in the next month or two million. and give him yeah. $4 million, I mean, four years times $10 million or whatever he thinks. Yeah. See, that may not be out there. That's what right. I'm saying. Right, right. Uh, you know, I've talked to our guy Jeff Pass, who does the mm-hmm. national stuff. He still thinks mm-hmm. he's looking for three. You're not wrong about one, though. But, of course, one, you know, 28 teams might be involved, but the Cubs should be heavily involved. The point is there's no bad one-year deals, and there's no bad four-month deals. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I, I just don't see the stars right. aligning All for right, Kimbrough. Cool. I, but right. I do see them aligning in a trade. I do. Um, okay. I, I could be wrong, though. I mean, no, no one's heard from Kimbrough. No one's heard from his no. agent. No, they haven't spoken publicly. Uh, I, I just don't know on that one. I don't know. If he wants multiple years, I don't see the Cubs in, involved. I just think right. they've proven to- that their, their their closer position is more about the here and now, not the future. Cool. Final minute, Jesse Rogers. Yeah. Nice enough to join us. Uh, Chatwood, ninth inning. Now, I used to reject this out of hand, and then a week later I rejected it out of hand. <laughs> and then the next week, but now I'm still saying I don't like it. 
but I'm not rejecting it out of hand. I think you mentioned earlier desperate times and you know, what's yeah, that? The yeah, desperate, desperate measures. measures yeah. Maybe, maybe you got to consider. Maybe I have to consider it now. Maybe they have the whole time. I don't think you, Benny. Should we no. start even thinking about it? Yeah, I'm in your boat. I don't want to think about it, but maybe, maybe um, if, if, if your starting staff is, if Darvish is kind of figured out and Chatwood's that sixth guy and long man, uh, I'm sorry, and Montgomery can go back to that sixth man and long man, sixth starter right. long man, can't speak today, <laughs> um, then then maybe, maybe it makes sense to try it. I think Fred and some other people have said, hey, what, why not just try it? Jordan Cornette was saying, why not try it? What's the worst you do? Well, blow a couple more saves. Um, so I don't know. I, I just, I, I guess the, at this point, what's the difference? Brad Brock, Steve Ciszek, Tyler Chatwood, try any of them. Well, the downside is obvious. When yeah. Darvish pitches, you don't have him for the bookends. Thin, Murph's, Murph's thin books because books right. cost too much. You don't have the bookend anymore. He's lights out, but... Why mess with something that's working right now? Now you bring him in the ninth inning, and all hell breaks loose, and he re re. Uh, but let's back. let's. I don't mean to interrupt, but no. let's remember it's as much about the sixth, seventh, and eighth as it is the ninth with sure. the Cubs. Yeah, they have blown three um, eighth inning or later leads, so it do, it does matter about the ninth. But they've also blown a bunch of sixth and seventh inning leads, so they need to just figure it all out. They can't keep using guys for multiple innings. They've got to uh, figure that out. Strope coming back will help. That's all. That's all I got for you, Murph. <laughs> Jesse, you know what I'm not going to do to you? Any more nuggets? Thanks, Jesse. Great, Take care, guys. Great job, Thanks, Jess. <laughs> Jesse Rogers. You don't know no more nuggets. I've covered everything. I know we're running late, Felix. Murph and Fred halfway through. Don't forget... John Mullen uh, in about a half hour. Uh, Bears making uh, some interesting moves, uh, uh, moving guys from this position to that, flipping guys on the front line. But we'll be back. White Sox uh, beat we covered in the first hour. Uh, back to that and Cubs beat and much, much more. Back after this, it's Murph and Freddy, ESPN 1000.
Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Halfway home, Murph and Fred, 9 till noon. We got to talk sometime about the resurrection of Lucas Giolito. Oh, let's do it right now. Okay, because I know I'm going to talk about it over the weekend, too. I saw the whole game. I'll let you tell the whole story. But he was, uh, you know, literally lights out. Yeah. They couldn't see. The dark one was coming. And, Fred, it was fun to watch. And, uh, you know, it's great to see. Tell us what you saw. He was just absolutely amazing. There There was a time early in the game where he got squeezed. Looked like he got a little upset. He threw a high fastball about 97 miles an hour. James McCann had to, like, stand up to catch it. And McCann looked at him and, like, pointed at him before he threw the ball back to him. From there on out, he listened to everything. He was under control. Um, He said that his tempo... Actually, he realized in his previous outing, which was also a complete game. Remember that five-inning rain-shortened game was a complete game. And when he had to go on out there and throw quickly to make sure they got the game in before the rain, Uh he said, you know what? I realized that wasn't bad throwing that fast and coming right away and throwing the ball. So he said he upped his tempo. He upped his tempo. He upped his pace. (laughs) And because of that, he throws a complete game shutout. Um, the Astros were 33 and 17 coming into that game. It was the, he threw 107 pitches, 82 for strikes. He was unbelievable. Um, the first complete game shutout that went nine innings. Um, in 524 games, Chris sailed through the last one in 2016. So his last four outings, he's 4-0 with a .64 ERA, 28 in the third innings, two earned runs and 29 strikeouts. This is a guy that went to the, went back to the drawing table. They said, you know what, get rid of the, you know, dropping your arm all the way back, stop your arm short. He's able to throw with more speed. Um, he's, he's pumped up. He's excited. And it's fun watching a guy like this. And then, as excited as you were about Lucas Giolito, then you see Ronaldo Lopez go out there and throw high fastballs and Oops. high, high changeups in Minnesota just hits the hell out of the ball. That's the life of a White Sox fan. G- Excitement about the future, then, oh, not so much. And Giolito, I heard, uh, saw one of the stat, uh, break it down number guys. He has more velo velocity and right. his fastball is a mile or two miles faster, which is huge. Right, sure is. His middle pitches were the same, but then his uh, curveball or changeup was slower yeah. than it used to be. So now he's got much more uh, variance, difference, you know, between the speeds of the yeah. two. So He was tricking a pretty good team. I mean, uh, Altuve mm-hmm. didn't play, Springer didn't play, mm-hmm. but he was still tricking a good team. And, and now for the Cubs, they get to play the Astros Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And Springer, who just came back yesterday after missing four straight games, he pulled a hamstring, had to leave the game yesterday. So the Cubs mm-hmm. may get to play the Astros without Springer this uh, this coming week, Here's which would be good for them. Doesn't matter. Those guys are unbelievable. Yeah, they're really, really good. They, you know, Chris Sale pitched for the, against uh, them last night, and again, Sale does not get a victory. And remind me, I have Altuve in uh, my uh, fantasy pool. He's been out for about a month with a hammy. Oh, yesterday, the White Sox catcher, Wellington Castillo, took a foul tip right off the mask. Did you read that they said the mask broke? No, I, I saw didn't see that, that in the Sun-Times today. I didn't see that. I did know he left. Yeah. And uh, now they have called up Sebi Zavala to, um, to catch for the White Sox. It looks like Castillo may be going on the injured list. That could be the seven-day 
concussion list. It could be. I'm aware of that because I also have Conforto from the Mets. He's on that also. He decided to put his forehead into his second baseman Cano's knee yeah. uh, the other day. Manny Benuelos, the offic- officially now named a starter He's for bad. today's game. Yeah, that's the fifth starter they need. Huh? Yeah, for Yikes. today's game. He's going against Kyle Gibson, mm-hmm. so we'll see how things go today for that one. For the, the Sox and Cubs, both with afternoon tilts. Yes. And uh, real quick, let's tie a ribbon on the uh, top 100 Bears talk from a little earlier. And Mullen coming up top of the hour, yeah. John Mullen, yeah. NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, Sid Luckman was the uh, fourth overall of the top 100, the longtime Bear, great quarterback. But interesting, a lot of people disagreed with that, including our own. This is before it was uh, printed, actually, I should say. On Wednesday, our own Jeff Dickerson, J.D., he uh, projected, uh, well, let's listen. It's not like the Bears have had all these great quarterbacks that come through here that you would say, oh, automatically he's going to be higher on the list. Oh, Eric Kramer's going to be higher on the list. Jim Miller's going to be higher on the list. I love those guys. I'm telling you, Jay is probably, arguably, the best quarterback the Bears have ever had as far as how he played the position. So just, just keep that in mind. But that's just my opinion. I know you want to talk about other guys, but I think 85 for him is a little too low. Well behind uh, number four for Sid Luckman and Jim McMahon we, around, a, well, 53. We had a caller, or uh, uh, somebody got to me on Twitter, and he said, where's Eric Kramer? And you think about it, Eric Kramer had one yeah. really, really good year. Uh-huh. But that was about it. Uh, he had one really, really good year, and he didn't have uh, much after that. So he did not make this list. And it's tricky also, uh, you know, do we count a longevity? You know, a guy had five great years. Is that the same as ten great years or... Now, Red Grange, I have a feeling I should have looked this up. I should know. I think he was only with the Bears maybe a handful of years. And then they did barnstorming after the season would end to make right. so George could make more money. They'd jump around the Midwest and play, uh, you know, exhibition games. Let's go to uh, Jim's in Antioch now on ESPN 1000. Hello, Jim. Yes, I know this will be right up your alley, Murph. You know, Dick asked for more Grabowskis, but there's no Grabowskis on the list. What's up with that? No Grabowskis? Jim Grabowski, we only had him for one year at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah good... but it's just odd that, that he used it in his example. And, it's, <laughs> and of course, there's an omission. If, if he was only a one-year player, I guess that's right. Well, the list is pretty interesting. And, uh, Jim, tell you what, call us back next week with your top 100. Seriously, I'll put you on the air. <laughs> all right. Have a good one. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Jim. Oh, yeah, Grabowski made all of his headlines with uh, the Green Bay Packers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he did all of his uh, all of his stuff, all of his good stuff he with was, Green Bay. He could run. He was yeah. uh, Bear fan Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, good morning, guys. Oh, and by the way, I have to say thank you to all the Gold Star families. Uh for serving out there and, and our those members who uh, lost uh, me- family people, mm-hmm. members, yes. anyways. Absolutely. Uh, Thank I you, was, Bob. You know, and I'm a vet, so I understand this myself, and my, my family are vets, most of us. Anyways, I uh, was looking at this list, and I would like to have had them do more of a critical eye on the players. And, Murph, I loved how you broke that down between the old guys and the new guys since 1969. I never thought of that. But, you know, as I really looked at it, I'm, I'm really in agreement with Fred. Kyle Long should have never been on this list. And I'll take that a step farther. You put Kyle Long ahead of Tommy Thayer, really? Oh, no, 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 never. You know, and Jay Cutler, I'm not even so sure Jay Cutler should have been on the list. But that's me. 
but I'm going to bump you up a little bit and go up to Jay Hilgenberg. They put Jay Hilgenberg down to number 18. If you really think about it, this is a guy who was a seven-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl winner. Uh, also, when they traded him, was they got a fourth-round pick who was also the best free agent signing that the Bears ever had. They put this guy at number 18. He was the center and maybe one of the best centers that ever played at the game or played the position. Hold that thought, Bob. Hold that thought. Stay on the line. Jay Hilgenberry at 18 was the highest-ranking non-Hall of Famer on the top 100. The 17 names in front of him all... Second highest ranking. Really? Uh, we, uh, Jimbo Covert didn't make, hasn't made the ah, Hall of Fame. Thank, thank you, Fred. Because right, we had him on yesterday. Yes, I'm sorry. You're exact, yeah. Fred's exactly right. From the Super Bowl Bears. You know, 18 ain't bad, and Hilgie's terrific, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's still a right. great ranking, and, uh, you know, there's not a lot of... Here's the thing, Bob, and I agree with you in many ways, but who do you bounce? See, that's the problem. Who do you bounce in front of them? There's Stan Jones, one in front, who was a lineman on the 63 champs. You know, we haven't seen that much of him. Uh, Bill Hewitt back right. in the Wayback Machine, Singletary, Airlocker, there's Covert going upwards. Dent Hampton, uh, Danny Fortman, for everything you read, he was an unbelievable animal back in the day, you know. Uh, Doug Atkins, right. I saw him. The great Bulldog Turner, Bill George going up, number six, Ditka, Sears, Luckman, Bronco, Nagurski, Butkus, and Peyton. It's really a terrific ranking even at number 18. I understand I'm with you all the way, but who do you bounce? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, but I'm yeah. glad we got uh, you, you gave us the recognition because he certainly was terrific. Well, and on top of it, he long snapped. You know, and <laughs> Thank you. You're right about that, Bob. Long Bob, you're yeah. so right about that. My biggest thing about the NFL, why in God's name, when positions are so important, do you need to have a guy on your roster just to be a long snapper? You're going to tell me your center can't figure it out or you can't bring a guard or a tackle to figure out how to snap the ball? you got to have a guy whose only job is to snap on kicks and punts? <laughs> That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, Fred, i got to tell you, Jay Hilgenberg is a personal friend of mine, and we've had lunch and talked about that. I don't get it. You know, after after hanging around a guy like that, who's probably one of the best, you know, centers ever, you know, you long snap, and all you do is just practice more. Yeah. You know, and you're exactly right. Practice more. You know. That's, that's what you got to do. All you got to do is like uh, when we used to play against the wall at the school, get the chalk, put a square up, go about uh, 15 yep. yards and snap 100 every day. Well, if you knew the story, yep. too, and I know Bob does, but the Hilgenbergs, when they used to catch growing up in Iowa, they would catch and they would snap the ball there through their go. legs there you go. in order to play catch. Yep. Thanks, Bob. Good call. Yep. Appreciate it. Thanks right, a lot, Bob. And uh, happy Bye-bye Memorial now. Day. Thank you, my Think friend. About Think about it. Uh-huh. Think about it. Your center right now, most of the time your center is snapping to a shotgun formation where the guy's about five to seven yards back. Really? You're going to tell me he, the, the kicker is only eight, what, seven or eight yards back. The punter, maybe another yard or two. You're going to tell me your center can't be your long snapper also? And they're protected. They can't get hit anymore. They can't line up right over them. <laughs> it's the, why waste a spot on your roster? For a long snapper. I, I put that up the other day on Twitter, and people were getting all over me. They say, you need the expert. You need the one guy that can do it. They still screw up. What's the difference? Tommy Thayer, number 84, definitely belongs in the top 100, if not higher. Now, uh, the center for the 63 champs, Mike Pyle, who was center for at least 10 years for yeah. the Bears, sort of like Hilgie. 
he's way back here, number eighty nine. Yep. So uh, uh, I don't want to say there's not uh, you know probably not a lot of difference between uh, the careers of Mike. Pyle, the center from the 63 champs, he's at number 89, and Hilgi at 18. Uh, let's see, Olin Krutz is somewhere in the... Oh, Olin Krutz just missed the top 25 at right. 27. Yeah. So the uh, fellas did give lots of recognition to the offensive linemen, including my guy Herman Lee that uh, Fred said, oh, who's Herman Lee? Never heard of him. I don't blame him. Most people didn't either. Murph and Fred catch up on a few things. Hey, let's get back on the baseball beat when we return. John Mullen uh, next hour, so we're busy. We are here with you. Hope you're enjoying and have a wonderful uh, Memorial Day holiday weekend. And it might not be a bad idea to tell some of the youngsters in your family uh, why we celebrate this, that we are now free to go out in the backyard and have uh, burgers and and bratwurst uh, because of all the uh, deeds done by, by our great fallen heroes. It's Murph and Fred back in a flash.
glad you're with us. It's Murph and Fred every Saturday. Uh, so, oh, by the way, I was thinking of great defensive center fielders. Yeah, remember we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, Fred, Ken Barry came up from the White Sox. You met, you missed one. Of the great Sox defense, Chet Lemon. Did you mention him? No, I didn't. Yeah. And I, his name came up this week because really? people were talking to, um, they were talking to Albert Almora uh-huh. on the uh, Cap and Company show. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, and it came up. We uh, the greatest Cubs defensive center fielder I ever saw is Bobby Dernier. Okay, he could go get it. You know, an okay arm. You know, accurate but not strong. Sort of like an Almora arm. But I thought he was the best. This guy's as good. This guy, this guy's better than Dernier. Now, Handy Andy Dandy Andy Pathco, when I worked with him in 47, 48, you know, after the war, he was pretty darn good from Wisconsin. But Elmora was on, as you said, and he talked about his unique style of catching the fly ball, yep. the, the old can of corn. Well, we've all seen it, right? Here he is. You know, I've been catching fly balls that way since I don't remember ever catching it different. And, um, it was just my dad implementing. I think I was, I was. We were practicing one time, and and he was he was telling me that he didn't like the way it looked catching it. You know, above above the eyes with two hands or whatever the case may be. He says it looked it looked awkward and it looked like it was it was too stiff. So we just practiced. He goes, "Hey, I just want you to wait until the very last second to to put your glove up. You know, uh, let the ball travel to you because a lot of things might happen in the air." It looks hot dog, yeah, like he's hand boning it out there. But he sort of, you know, props the glove up. The left, he's a right-handed thrower. So he yeah. props it up there like a bent elbow and real yeah, nonchalant. Right, like right against his shoulder yeah, almost. Sort of where the uh, CUBS, you know, logo is on the uniform. Boom. Yeah. He went on and said that uh, when he was first learning how to do that, uh-huh. he'd come home and his whole shoulder would be bruised because yeah. he would he would yeah. miss the ball or it would hit the glove and then hit his shoulder. And uh, now he's really good at it. It does look kind of strange. Yeah. Um, but he he catches that way all the time when he gets to the ball. That's the best thing about him is that he gets to the ball. He gets a great jump on everything. He's really, really uh, a skilled defensive outfielder. There's not a lot of them. Buddy of mine, old school guy, when Elmora first came up, uh, big baseball fan, and he said, you know, I know I like the two hands, you know. Remember the old friend, Fred, hey, Felix, when you were a kid, did you ever two hands for beginners? Did they used to yell that when you played or no? That was before your time, right? Before my time. That was even before my time. Two hands for beginners. (laughs) So this buddy of mine says, you know, I I wish he uses two hands, Elmore. And I said, no. About 30 years ago, that went bye-bye because the new gloves, new back then, were larger, more flexible. And believe it or not, the meat hand, your throwing hand, actually could get in the way if you tried to sort of use two hands to catch it. But no. Just the glove hand for all you old school guys. But this reminds me. The Cubs once had a uh, center fielder for a brief cup of coffee. Friend. In fact, I think we got, did we get Rick Kempfer's new uh, yeah. uh, book? In, Every Cub Ever. Every Cub Ever. We had Rick on a, a cub, few. A comprehensive guide <laughs> to everyone who wore yeah. the uniform. We had Rick on a few weeks ago. A great book. And uh, Bobby Dernier, of course. And, and now uh, 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 Elmora. But the Cubs... Had a cup of coffee, a, like fifth outfielder guy. See if he, well, I know he's in the book because he's got all 10 million Cubs. Right. Sam Mahias. I think it's M E J I A S. Yeah. Sammy Mahia. Oh, got it? Yeah. Sammy Mahia. Now, this I guy, think the S was silent. What do they say, say about him? 
He's the Dominican outfielder. He was a defensive specialist. Uh, yes. With the Cubs, he got into 31 games, uh-huh. but only batted 14 times. All right. Sam served a similar role with the yeah. Expos, the Reds, and the Cardinals. After his playing days, he yeah. went into coaching and spent several years on the big league staffs right. of the Mariners and the Orioles. Did they say defensive specialist, right? That was the first thing, yeah. yeah Dominican okay. outfielder is a defensive specialist. The Cubs pick him up somehow in the winter, the 79 Cubs. Now, it's early April. I'm out in the bleachers. Not many people there, but some people around me and uh, some friends of mine that come. And I and now eighth inning, ninth inning, whoever, the uh, Herman Franks or whatever, they right. put in... Sam, Maheas, Maheas, for a defensive replacement, right? Yeah. So, you know, I got the big chest. I'm going, you know, a couple of little Watch this guy, Sam. He's the best defensive center fielder. Oh, wow, Murph, you know a lot about the. Oh, yeah, well, first ball, can of corn to center, flat drops it. There you go. Yeah, there you go. That's yep. my buddy, Sam. That's what happens. Uh, Murph and Fred. Tell you what, quick break. Back in a flash, a busy, busy hour number three. Oh, Cal Daniels is in here. Of course he would play for Imagine the how he fell around third base. No, and, but that's, uh, that's what he'll be known for, like crawling home. Swim move uh, uh-huh. for about 30 feet before he ran out of swim gas. Vote right now in Bourbon A. Here's a poll question. In Bourbon A, the Bears will have no starting jobs on the line other than the uh, kicker. A, that's good. B, that's bad. John Mullen next. It's ESPN 1000.
Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Our number three. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. Get back on some Bears uh, talk in a few minutes. So this morning, taking a quick look at the standings in the American League Central. Yikes. Minnesota Twins now for the best record in baseball. Yep, 34 and 16. 68% winning uh, record. Eight games in front of second place Cleveland. And uh, 11 in front of the uh, third place White Sox. Rough game yesterday at that uh, new launching pad of um, Minneapolis uh, St. Paul. It's a beautiful little ballpark. I've been there. Well, it doesn't matter where the Twins are playing. Uh, they played in Anaheim the day before and hit eight home runs. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're just hitting, they're cranking the ball. Yeah. Manny Benuelos goes for the White Sox today. Um, he's missed a start because of an injury. He allowed eight homers in his last 11 innings, and now he faces the Twins with 101 homers. And the wind is blowing out at 11 miles an hour to center field. So, you know, get the calculators ready hmm. because uh, it could be a long one for Manny Benuelos and the White Sox today. And the uh, National League Central. And by the way, Tim Anderson scratched. Oh. He was, they were working on his hand yesterday. I don't know if he got it, got it nicked up a little I bit or that. cut or something. And uh, they scratched him today. So uh, Rondon he, is going to play yeah. uh, shortstop. He was three for three. Yeah, well, he had three of the strangest little hits yeah. that just dropped where nobody was. He had a little a little fly ball that yeah. a left field line the left fielder couldn't get to. He uh, dropped one between the the Bermuda Triangle. I almost said Viagra uh, Triangle uh, right uh, up there on on State and Rush. Uh-huh. Um, right there between the center fielder, the right fielder, and the second baseman. He dropped another one in there, and I think he got a single to left uh, also. So he got three hits. He's hitting three thirty seven, but uh, he won't be in the lineup today. Third side, uh, third side of that triangle, Bellevue, I believe, maybe. Right. Yeah. Bellevue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bellevue State and ah. Rush. Ah, my uh-huh. little stamping grounds with lovely Dana. And Tim Anderson's up to what? About 328? 337. 337. 337. Wow. Yep. And, uh. I think he's your, he's your all, he's your American League All-Star shortstop. Cool. I hadn't thought of that. Either, either or I, I just said it. <laughs> just see, see if it works. Interesting, uh, quick look at, with the Cubs a game and a half in front of uh, Milwaukee. Everybody lost yesterday. Cubs, Milwaukee, uh, Pittsburgh, and St. Louis. Three and a half in front of third place Pittsburgh, as Fred says. The f- uh, three divisions in each league, that's six divisions. I just noticed this. The National League Central uh-huh. Cubs is the only division that has four teams uh, at 500 or above. Uh, three uh, others have three, two of uh, two. But uh, if you want to say, I don't know what that means, it would seem to mean it's a tough division. But more teams at or above 504 today in the National League Central. You would also think that uh, because of that and because of how good the teams are, that eventually they would beat up on each other throughout the course of the year. Let me say this about, right, let me say this about the Reds. Now, they're six and a half back in last place, fifth place. Yeah. They, at least last week, they had the best ERA in uh, the National League or all of baseball, I want to say. Hitting, I'll tell you this, their best, their their spark plug to that team has been out all year. Yep. And that's Scooter Jeanette, second baseman. He used to bat in a two-hole, right. maybe to one-hole. On base, uh, you know, I go, we go, like a uh, Dexter sure. Fowler-type guy. And they've been missing him, and he's still out for a while. Or... This is why the Pakoda uh-huh. numbers that everyone 
sort of scoffed at. They were almost looking at a, a compression where, you know, in the regard of all five teams being around 500. Right. That's why there were so few victories projected for each team. Right. So, oh, has the uh, Cubs lineup in yet? Yeah, Cubs lineup is in. Uh, Kyle Schwarber, your leadoff man, as he has been the last week or so. Uh, he's in left field. Chris Bryant at third. Rizzo at first. Uh, Javi Baez is at shortstop with Hayward in right. Victor Caratini catching because Darvish is in mm-hmm. with Albert Almora in center. Addison Russell at second base and you Darvish pitching. It's amazing. And I'm not making light of it or anything. I'm yeah. just, it's amazing how. There was a day or two about Addison Russell and all everything about him coming back and playing, and now it's been quiet. Two oh seven, I believe, is hitting, and he's been quiet also. Yeah, very he's quiet. Two oh seven. Yeah, Descalso can't anyway, buy a hit. They got no second baseman right now. Not yesterday, but the day before, just an awful at bat in the ninth inning. Oh yeah, I saw it. Just I was trying a three to, pitch at bat. He's just a miserable at trying bat. Trying to pull the outside pitches, uh-huh. right? Yeah, One just a really bad away at bat. From John Mullen talking some bears. Hey, our Twitter poll. Let's bring in Felix the Cat. Here was the question. In Bourbon A, the Bears will have no starting jobs on the line or up for grabs other than the uh, kicker. That's good. That's bad. What did the fans say? They said that's good, right, Felix? 87% are saying that's good. I don't know. Sometimes a little competition uh, helps, too. Let's bring in uh, John Mullen from NBC Sports Chicago. Always has a few minutes for Murph and Fred, and we appreciate his personal time on a busy Saturday. Hello, John Murph here, Fred Alongside. Hey guys, a lot of a lot of off seasons, a lot of talk. How you doing? Uh, <laughs> it's great, and uh, the three of us love to talk. You're the one that knows what you're talking about, so we love having you with us, John. We well, had I don't a, know about that anyway. Oh, I do, I do. <laughs> we had one of our informal uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter polls, <laughs> and uh, maybe you just overheard the results there uh, in Bourbon A. The Bears will have. I wrote last night at midnight. No starting jobs up for grabs or on the line other than the kicker. A, that's good. B, that's bad. What was it, Felix? About 85% of... 87% are saying that's good. The only reason I threw that out, John, sometimes you like to have a little competition, get everybody's juices flowing. But I guess that's good is an obvious answer, or uh, is it? Well, yeah, having covered this team, and we kind of know we talked about it in different years, Having covered this team when they'd be coming off a four and twelve season and have no starting jobs, that's bad. No starting <laughs> jobs. <laughs> when you're twelve and four, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, or you know, coming out of like I remember in the oh one season, I think that after thirteen and three, they had one you know one starting job up for uh, for competition. Now they'll have competition, but I think their biggest one has to come from in, internal and. Um, Proving that it was really all Cody Parkey's fault that they didn't get further. Um, yeah, I think that this will be an interesting year to see what the internal drive, what the internal makeup of a lot of guys uh, is or are. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, are they motivated by how close they got? Because you know, we've seen teams and the Bears, unfortunately, have been one of them where you achieve, you go 12 and 4, you go 11 and 5, and the next year it's like, oh, okay, well, we're that good, and guys take their foot off the emotional gas a little, and all you need is two or three or four of those kind of guys, Sure. and now you're back in the pack, because let's face it, the talent is not that disparate in the NFL, so 
I, I will be interested to see, you know, the, the mini camps aren't going to tell us that much because there's all, all the improvement, most of the improvement is going to come from inside the guys you already have. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be, you're not going to see much of that in the preseason. So um, a lot of this is going to play out as the year goes, and we will find out what this, what these guys are made of. And how hungry are they? You know, I, I heard a stat which I didn't even think of. You know, you see the 12-4 and four record, and we watched all the games last year. But of those four losses, the Bears never lost back-to-back games, from what I heard. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even—I never even think, didn't even think about that. I just heard someone throw that number out uh, earlier. That's that's important. After you lose a game, being able to come back and get a victory for a young coach to do that and be able to do that with his team—that's that was a big—that's a big thing. Yeah, and I think what you also saw, Fred, was there. There was um, each loss. <clears throat> I have to think back on each one individually, but. Um, Served as kind of a little bit of a launch, you know, a relaunch of damn it, we let that one get away, and right. so then they buckled down a little more. You know, also for much of the season, every player on or off the record would tell you, "Listen, that the way we blew the Green Bay game was uh, a motivator for the year." And sure. you know, they let the Giants game get away, and and you know, oh. the kick here and the uh, Miami. <laughs> so that's when you got something. If you have somebody who can turn every loss. You know, remember, one of the great things I love about Jordan or Peyton, telling somebody they can't do something was the greatest motivator. Well, in this case, a little failure made you run a little faster. And I think uh. that you hope that with the Khalil Max and the Akeem Hicks and Trubisky's and you know, the guys that are really the leaders of this team, that that, continues to, that fire begins, continues to burn, where any loss really pisses you off. Well, and I just I forgot until you mentioned it how bad the Giants and the Dolphins' losses were. Oh, I mean, yeah. two games, talk about two games you definitely should have won. You should have been 14-2. and two. Yeah, I mean, you could well, probably point to the two or three that they, they should have lost. You're right. No, I think, You're right. Yeah, yeah we don't want to win that, John. Yeah, we wouldn't point at those. A win's a win, John. <laughs> John Mullen over at NBC Sports Chicago. All right, uh, not a lot of storylines, and we're going to uh, probably have to scratch for some in the next month or two. But very interesting, and not, I guess, surprising, the flip-flop on the offensive line. Now, oh, the offensive line, come on, Murfred, John, we got to talk. Well, not every day you switch two guys that were starters last year. Uh, Cody White here at center, and the left guard, James Daniels, the uh, high pick uh, a year ago. And uh, this looks like a done deal. And I guess when you look back, not surprising because John wasn't James Daniels. Fred, uh, he was a center, uh, yeah. picked sort of as a center. But what are your thoughts, uh, John? Uh, why and what will happen? How and why? I, I, I liked it. In fact, it's funny. I was surprised it took this long. I really There are different kinds of players. And Whitehair, yeah, you're, you're right. From a 12 and 14, making it just a, a position flip. Um, Hey, why don't you leave well enough alone? Well, and Whitehair was even I feel a Pro Bowl alternate, whatever. But the type of player, I, I, why this becomes interesting and, and should be watched by the fans is Whitehair is a he's kind of a you know pocket Kyle Long. He is a mauler. He is a, a he's a left tackle at Kansas mm. State. I mean, this is a he can play center, but center is a a, a little bit more of a finesse position or. Where you have different assignments, and whether Daniels, who was very, very good at Iowa, could have done that as a rookie, who knows? But now you're putting him at really what is his better position, and you're letting Whitehair get back to where all he has to worry about is beating the crap out of uh, <laughs> Gerald McCoy or whoever. Uh-huh. 
and not and not just you know I you know calling the you know finding the Mike linebacker and all that kind of thing. So I think this is putting five guys where they are the best. They had their five best offensive linemen, but slotting them in now the, the domino effect. Maybe a little better protection up the middle for uh, Trubisky. Maybe a little better running game. Um, hmm. And it doesn't, you know, little things will make a big difference for a team that's already had a lot of weapons. So if this improves a running game that was pretty pedestrian, irrespective of any numbers last uh, year, uh, then it's then it's a good move. I, I, it's, again, yeah. it's not sexy to talk about the O-line, but if it's a bad O-line, <laughs> sure. then you're not talking about the team at all. Well, you know, the three of us, we should stay unsexy uh, with the three of us, but when exactly did it become <laughs> that we don't worry about Leno and Massey? Because, let's be honest, I don't know about you, John, but when I heard people say, well, the Bears are set a tackle with Leno and Massey, when I heard that a year ago or a year and a half ago, I kind of shook my head and said, Really? You're convinced that these two guys are going to do it? Last year, we didn't have many questions about those two guys. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's like an offensive lineman. Only when you get noticed, it's bad because right. you're being flagged for a penalty or you got beat for a sack. And you, I think you're spot on, Fred. I, when Okay, we're set at tackle, and I'm thinking, mm, I'm not sure we got <laughs> Keith Van Horn and Jimbo Covert here yet. Right. <laughs> But, but the steps, the steps forward that were taken by by Leno, who is again one of your more cerebral, um, again it's a tough man's game, but a guy with a brain and who knows how to use it is a, a weapon, and I think Leno has become that. And Massey has really settled into this new offense. Loves being in Chicago, and I think that does you know counts for something. Um, I know he told me during the season last year, he said, man, I really do hope I get they re-sign me. I want to stay in Chicago. You like to hear that from an athlete, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. Heck, heck, they didn't even have Bob Watoska or Herman Lee. <laughs> now that we look at that. And we want to ask your thoughts on the top 100 in a minute before we spring you on your busy day, John Mullen. Uh, John, a uh, couple uh, new positions for guys maybe on the bubble. Fred's got one he'll ask you, and then I'll, I'll, I'll follow up. Uh, which do you have there, Fred, for John? I got uh, Taquan Mizell. Oh, a guy yeah. that uh, you know, he he was returning kicks, and uh, I, I kind of remember that uh, that Giants game. Speaking of the Giants game, uh, you know when you when you shouldn't take the ball out from the oh, goal line. That's that's, right. that's another story. Oh. But they move him from running back to wide receiver. I don't know, John, that he has a chance to make the team at either position. No, it's it's again, it's those are interesting. They're storylines, but yeah, you know, you're talking about the. Maybe wide receiver on the team that that will not be. It's given a, it's given the guy a chance to make the team. Where okay. He really wasn't going to have one after hmm. they draft a running back, sign a running back, and already have to recall. And there ain't a lot. There's not a lot of footballs going around the backfield. So if he can help him out as a spot receiver, um, and the one thing that I think will undo this team, unfortunately, and it's a reality every year, is injury. You never know when that fifth receiver all of a sudden because well, thank oh. God we got him. Yeah. So a guy who knows what to do with the ball in his hands is an asset. It's giving him a, his best chance to make the team yeah. at, at, rather than his old position where he wasn't going to. And then the other uh, switch that uh, is projected would be a swing tackle, I guess, is what we would call Bradley Soul. <laughs> uh, now yeah. you got mean old tough Ted Larson that can play all five, I guess, and beat the hell out of people. But Bradley Soul will now be given a chance to be one of the many tight ends. He's a big guy. He's a road grader. He's a Coca-Cola machine out there. Uh, is this uh, sort of like Mizell just giving him a chance to make the team or or what? No, I think that this is a much more significant move. Um, 
Yeah, you know, Gavin, that when when whatever side the, the tight end lines up on the field is going to tilt that way this year. When he's <laughs> on. Um, yeah. you know, and he, he played he played in college with uh, Bobby Massey, so you know there's a real nice chemistry with with some of these guys. Um, and, and Bradley, I know, was also wanting to stay. He said, "I really like what we're doing here." Um, he, he would have been your swing tackle, but now he gives you. When, when he went on the field last year, it was kind of in those. Goal line only or whatever gimmick situation. Gimmick plays Santa's sled. Yeah. yeah. Well, now if he's on the field all the time, you have a huh. a real upgrade as a blocker. I mean, let's face it. You, you, I, huh. I can't think of too many tight ends that are going to be a better blocker than a three hundred and ten pound tackle. Right. This um, is, go ahead. So you know, he, now he becomes a, I won't say a weapon, but mm-hmm. now he's on the field. You can you don't have to spot him in situations where using him telegraphs what you're doing. It's almost like a, a Theo Epstein handing Joe Madden guys that can play multiple positions. You still have Soul on the team as your backup swing tackle, but then you can utilize him in uh, gimmick plays, uh, get the three road graders out there. The field will tilt, as you say. It's sort of cool. It's cool when you look at it that way. Well, it, it, doesn't that kind of appeal, appeal to Chicago? Yeah, everybody, oh, this, this naggy offense, this is cool. But, yeah. you know, in November, you kind of want to see guys who walk, run out on the field and they forgot their helmets and they still line up and, and let's go, <laughs> let's party. I, can, I think that's what you're going to have with with, a, with Bradley Soule at the tight end. Uh, and final thing on this topic, I was trying to think of other Bears in the past, Fred, John Mullen, that have, uh, you know, mid-career, maybe switched positions. And I came up with one, and we all remember Robin Earl. Yep. Mm-hmm. Robin Earl, I believe, went from fullback to tight end, unless I have it reversed. I think Robin Earl was the good old number 39 at fullback. Then the next year, was number 81 at tight end, remember? Yep, yep, yeah. yep. I think that. And there's been a giant. Cat Williams made a change. Cat was drafted, yes. or wasn't. It was undrafted as a D tackle. Ends up being a, a guy who could have made that 100 list as an offensive lineman. Well, and Bors was another one, right? Mark Bors. Tommy yeah, Thayer, too, a, maybe. Yeah, a, a D-line, another Iowa guy. But And one thing I like to get, you mentioned the 100 thing. Yeah. I, I can tell you, there were so many things I liked about it, one of which, and it was you know, almost without notice, uh-huh. all five of those offensive linemen from the 85 team were on it. Yeah, they but, were all there. And, yes. and I think Keith Van Horn got some recognition. I don't think people remember how good, because he was overshadowed by Colbert and Hilgenberg. All five of those guys are among the best linemen this, this organization has ever had, and I think the uh, yeah, that's a real tribute to, to to the guys who selected it, as well as how good uh, Horn and those guys were. And uh, we were ta- uh, the '63 champions, and that was before the phrase Super Bowl existed. But you could call, you know, the '63 Super Bowl Bears. Uh, mm-hmm. Herman Herman Lee at '93, he was the big tackle. Uh, Bob Wataska, I believe, was on the O side of the uh, line. Mike Pyle. So, you yep. know what? It's never easy making a list, and I would, wouldn't want to do it because then everyone, people get mad at me enough when I don't make a list, John. <laughs> I, um, I I was so impressed. And again, maybe because I know Don and Dan sure. professionally as well as personally. Yeah. I think that I think that list was A, a, a plus. And not because I happen to agree with them, but I know I know how those guys think, how they went about this. And it was about as dispassionate as you could have gotten. And here's the biggest thing that I'm not sure everybody realizes. You're dealing with two guys who not only covered this team for a long time, they were, two, I think Don no longer, because he's not with, with a media outlet any longer. We're talking about two of the 48 guys who picked their Hall of Fame selectors. Right. And, and wow. Danny is still one of the nine uh, senior 
selectors, meaning you're talking about guys who have really studied these players and, and are without malice aforethought, even though you, if you're a Jay Cutler fan, you think, what's wrong with me? But I think they they are so uh, such quality individuals, and I thought the selections, I could find two or three, I think, ah, this guy should have been higher, he shouldn't have been that high. But I thought that was an incredibly accurate, um, informed look at the at the roster. I, I couldn't have been more impressed by what they come out with. John, I got a question. I went off on this about a half hour ago. Um, and Patrick Manley's number one hundred. That's fine. He played the most games in Bears history. That uh, that's okay. Fine, great. But why? When positions are so important, and your fifty three man roster, and put your forty five guys and everything else, when it's so important, why is it that that every NFL team has to waste a position? at a long snapper who's going to snap the ball one yard further back than a shotgun for a field goal and a couple yards further back for a punt. Why can't the centers or a guard or somebody else, so they can multi, they, they protect the guy, they can't hit the guy, they can't line up over him. It's the, yeah. this, it's the biggest piece of cake job you have as long as you don't make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I would never call any job with a helmet in October in Chicago a piece of cake job. But, no, and 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 but there again, it's this gets into things whether you know should a DH make the Hall of Fame? No, and is it a, no, is it never. A special I'll tell position? you something about the DH and the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. That's okay. No, they could beat around the bush. What do you really? Yeah, think? yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think when you are, and that was funny. I, I almost had to chuckle at where they put Pat, which is at number 100, and the guy was the best in the business. I mean, at a position that if – here's another one. Like we talk about offensive linemen, if you're good, you're like a train. You, if you run on time, everybody expects it. If you're a couple minutes late or whatever, right. oh, my God, then, then you're the you're the Antichrist here. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think you know, that, that Manley was so good for so long um, – I, I, I had no problem with that one, even. I thought putting him in at number 100 was almost with a little wink, hmm. but he did deserve. He is one of the best players, certainly one of the best at his position ever. Yeah, my, my, one of the best for the Bears. Yeah, my only question is why does why do all the teams in the NFL have to waste the position just on a long snapper? Okay. Well, I would agree. You know, that, that's not a bad question. Okay. In fact, <laughs> I, I would think, and I still remember Ron Rivera, Chico, um, in what, 92 or 93, I think. Um, and he was still trying to get a roster spot. He was a, a, a linebacker with a you know in the late eighties, the yeah. Super Bowl Bears. He was learning title long snap. He said, "I got to move. I got to find a, an extra thing to drive sure. my, my career another year." I would think guys would want to learn it, which also tells you another thing: it's not easy. Yeah, um, you're right. You know, a man, a man could make the ball. Where do you want the laces? And it would be where those laces would be where they were. But I, I'm with you. I, it's like. Wow, if I could learn that position, you mean I could play another couple of years? Exactly. Bring it on. It's hard to yes. compare eras. Final minute, uh, John Mullen, so nice to join us. It's so hard to compare eras. Uh, during the week before the final 100 came out, fans calling in, people saying, you know what, I don't want these guys like Nagurski and Sid Luckman in the top 10. That's back in the barnstorming era. Well, you know what? Look what happens. You got Nagurski number three, Luckman number four. Now let's make a final look at Bill George, middle linebacker number seven, uh, Erlacher and Singletary, 14 and 15. I'm sure that chapped a lot of people right now, but it's impossible to compare eras, and that's what Dan and Don had to do, right? 
Yeah, and I think that the funny, I once had this conversation a couple of years ago. I did a piece for NBC and the Bears that they used jointly. Um, was comparing, not comparing years exactly, but really answering the question, could today's player, or could, could yesterday's player work in today's game? And the, the, the best conversation I had was with old Dougie Buffon. Uh-huh. And he goes, "Boom, you're asking the wrong question." He said, "Those and I can't use the term he used. Could uh-huh. Those guys playing? Could, could these guys play in our era?" And the answer is no. Uh, and, he said, and then he kind of laughs. Well, first of all, you have to make them smoke a pack of cigarettes at halftime and then see how they play. But I, I, so I, I think we kind of misjudge. You know, people. Oh, they're bigger and faster today. Well, yeah, sort of. The offensive linemen are, but. Um, Richard Dent was 265. You know, there's a lot of the physical similarities are more than you realize. And I would go with Doug's question. I'm not sure a lot of guys today uh, no. could play in the other. No a lot chance. Of the right. No play, chance. They weren't protected. There's no chance. How about until about 1955, if you tackled a guy in the NFL, but you weren't in contact with him when he went down, he could get back up and run again. Another guy'd flatten him. But then he could get up and run until you actually touched him while he was down on the ground. They just beat the hell out of each other, John. Well, well okay, here's a question. How good would today's tight ends have been if, if Ray Lewis or, or Butkus or somebody could have given him a clothesline come yeah, across the middle? Yeah, right. Yeah, let's, let's see how you're looking, with, you're looking out your ear hole, pal. <laughs> um, no, not to disparage, but my point, I guess, really is, no, Nagursi could have played today and... Alex Brown could have played then, and you know, a great player will be a great player. And, and I think we we you start asking weird questions. Well, I don't think based on the game. Well, these mm. guys were great enough to to adjust. Right. And yeah, I mean, you tell me Doug Atkins couldn't play today. Oh. <laughs> but a six eight, two hundred eighty pound end monster. Um, who, who, who was a high, who went to Tennessee as a high hurdler? Oh, you're telling me he couldn't play in today's <laughs> game? Come on, stop it. Well, I'll leave, I'll leave you with this, John. Uh, one guy that uh, would never look out his ear hole was number uh, 25 ranked Eddie Sprinkle, good old number seven, because mm-hmm. he didn't have a helmet. He played with no helmet. He couldn't look out his ear hole. <laughs> I think guys like that, they, they made him wear a face mask, not to keep people's fists out, but keep them in. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, actually, that was one I was a little surprised at. But if you, yeah. here again, you could quibble a position or two, mm-hmm. but. Um, any guy who's, you know, they could, could today's players have dealt with oh. the claw or something, you know, or the hook or whatever, claw. I forget what Eddie's, Eddie's big thing was, but yeah, there was, yeah, it's like a, um, yeah, rat, like he, wrestling. had other people looking out their ear hole. Right. Yeah, he's doing like the wrestling claw down there at the 50 yard line. John exactly. Mullen, NBC Sports Chicago, always has a few minutes for you to hear him along with Murph and Fred. Thanks so much, John. Enjoy your three day, uh, uh Memorial Day weekend. Okay, guys, you do the same. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Thanks, John. John Mullen, Murph and Fred. I know we're running late. Back in a flash. Yeah, Buffon used to always talk about when at halftime in the games, yeah. he would have stick them on, my, on his hands, yeah. and he would walk in, and he'd have cigarettes lined up on the thing, and he would just yeah. take the stick them yeah. down on the cigarettes. He'd have like five cigarettes. Yeah. They'd light them all, and he'd just smoke them all yeah. just in time for the second half of action. And I'm not sure what a half pint of uh, Seagram 7 was. I think it was up above the duck uh, vent there in the old Cubs locker room. Just reach up there and pass it around, right? Nice to see Dougie Buffon making number uh, number 46. Terrific. Yep. Good on number 55, Doug Buffon. Murph and Fred back in the flesh, back on the baseball beat when we return to ESPN 1000.
Welcome back, Murph and Fred. And we continue to talk about the Cubs' bullpen uh, problems. Jesse addressed it uh, yesterday and today. There's two issues. One is Carl Edwards Jr. He's really sort of messing things up. If you've noticed, Cap, when Edwards gets into a game now, Joe will have a reliever or two warming up the moment Edwards gets in. That wasn't always the case. And no manager wants to do that. And the relievers don't like it either right. because they could warm up and then sit back down. All right, Point stop being, the tape. Gets All right. I never realized that, Fred. I. Jesse said that when Edwards... Plus, you don't see the bullpens at all, so... ...is in the game, they immediately... Joe immediately puts another uh, guy up in the pen. One or two guys, yeah. And, and uh, you know, to get a guy up and then set him down, they say, is very... I don't want to say harmful, that's not true, but to get dry hump him, they call it. To get a guy up on the mound and then not bring him in right. is something you rarely want to do. You don't want the guy pitching a whole uh, a, whole, a whole outing in the yeah. bullpen. No, to get heated up and then right. not come in is the last thing a big league manager, any man, college, high school, right. literally, you don't want to do that. But yet, as a precaution, they have to get the guy up, even though they're hoping they don't have to bring him in, right. which, which defeats the whole... Uh, the whole purpose of doing that. Uh, let's go to the phones. Fans want to jump in. Three three two three seven seven six. Henry's in Daytona Beach. Hey, Henry. Hey, guys. You know what? I, I overslept. I know. Miss a little. Miss a lot. <laughs> but uh, I wanted to spray it all fields here because I know it's the end of the show. First off, I thought uh, Mongo and Jay Cutler could have been a little higher. And okay. About, about Carl Edwards, I totally agree with you guys. But this is how we fix that problem. He should be not doing anything right now other than cleanup duty. If we're up by a head or down by a lot, I want to build his confidence by putting him in when it doesn't matter because right now when he comes to the game, I groan. And the last thing is I'm waiting for the Freddie Huebner hockey draft half hour in <laughs> June because we have pick number three, baby, and we can get another scorer, and I can't wait for the Huebner hockey half hour. You guys have a great day. Thanks, Henry. We appreciate Thanks, it Henry. as always. The thing about Edwards, Henry, is you've only got oh, so many pitchers. Well, now you've got a lot. Yeah, <laughs> Today they brought up two more. they got 14 pitchers under the 25 men. In case you missed it, as Fred just said, they uh, sent down extra outfielder Mark Zagunas and brought up another pitcher. Yeah, they brought down two guys. They said Norwood down well, yeah. also who pitched yesterday. So they brought up Tim Collins and uh, they also brought another up, guy. Well, they also brought up Dylan Maples, oh, Maples, who you'll see probably before you see Collins. Well, Canned Heat. Yeah. Get the song Canned Heat for him. But the point is to have 14 pitchers before September 1st when you expand. Yeah. I wonder if I'm sure it's happened somewhere. I don't think it's ever happened to the Cubs before. I can't remember ever. And what happens is, again, mathematically, you only have three guys on the bench. Right. One of whom is your backup catcher. Now, Caratini is able to play first and then, you know, third if he has to, and he did. And then you can maybe keep both catchers in the game. But still, years ago, 10 pitchers on the staff. Oh, the old days. There goes Murph again. But you had seven guys on the bench. Yeah, I was so, seven. I was so happy the other day when Jimmy Deshays brought up the fact when the Cubs had that long game, they, they were making double switches, both the Cubs and the Phillies were making double switches. And he said, you know, years, you know, in a year or so, you're not going to be able to do that kind of stuff and go deep because they're limiting the number of players, in, you know, after in September. No more 40 man rosters. Uh, he said, because if that was a game with 40 man rosters, he goes, 
shows, it probably would have lasted an extra 45 minutes. And they also talk about expanding regular season to 26 and limiting to 11 only pitchers, pitchers yeah. which means that's the end of the number one. End of the left-handed one-out guy. Right. And probably the end of the uh, OMG, the one-inning max effort guy, all in an attempt to you know put more hitting into the game. 3-3-2-3-7-7-6. Bob next in Palatine. Hello, Roberto. Good morning and good afternoon. I wanted to compliment you gentlemen on being able to switch sports back and forth. But more importantly, when you came up with number 39 to number 81, kudos to you. You left, you left one thing out with Robin Earl. Yes. You left one thing out. Uh huh. One of the, one of the greatest trivia questions in the history of the NFL. All right. Name, name the fullback that blocked for Walter Payton the day Walter set the all time single game rushing record. Good one. Good Everyone one. Everyone comes up with Suey or right. someone else. And it was it was Walt, it was Robin Earl, of course. And if you remember why he left the fullback position to go to tight end, is because Jack Pardee left the Bears to go to Washington. And we brought in, I think we brought in the astronaut uh, Neil Armstrong, Neil Armstrong. came in <laughs> yeah. and uh, moved Robin over to uh, tight end. But ESPN, this is another good one. ESPN has, if you go to ESPN top rushing performances. In regular NFL history, they mark that game as the greatest single game ever for a running back. Well, Robin Earl, I met him at a uh, charity golf outing years ago, one of the nicer, nicest fellas you'll ever meet. And you mentioned Neil Armstrong, the Bears uh, head coach uh, for, well, Bob Pelican. Do you remember the bed sheet they used to put out there at Soldier Field when he was there? I- she no, they, I do not. They sent the wrong Neil Armstrong to the moon. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Listen, Walter got Thank me you. four. Walter got me four season tickets in 1979, I believe it yeah. was, and I uh-huh. had them all the way to 2001. And it was such a treat to uh, to watch the changes as we finally went to the Super Bowl. Thanks, so, Bob. Are, are you are you in are you in Fred Hubner's uh, fantasy league also? Anything no. you want to say to Fred? Uh-huh. No. <laughs> No, no, I'm good. I just thought I'd compliment you guys Thanks. on this rainy, uh, rainy Saturday morning. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Bob. Appreciate it, guys, buddy. Have a great day. Great uh, you, 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 you too. Three, three, two, three, seven, seven, six. Well, it's not raining down here. I hope it's not raining. Maybe it's raining in Palatine. Yeah, I'm hoping it's not raining. Going to the fire game. I don't want to see the guys sloshing through the rain. So, uh, Dana, lovely Dana and I driving uh, to Iowa and back in the rain. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There's an off-ramp. We jumped off because I literally couldn't see 10 feet in front of the car. And yeah, that's and, not know, good. And we're going 85. Right. So the off-ramp in Iowa to a little town, no one even a town, the name of the, and it's on the sign, and I go, look, the first, it's two names for the town, right? Okay. The first name is what? W-H-A-T. The second name was Cheer, C-H-E-E-R, like you would do at a ball game. Yeah. But when you say them together, it sounds pretty bizarre. What cheer? Huh. Illinois, uh, Iowa. Okay. So I had to look it up when we got back. It goes back, I guess, to the, well, early 1800s. It was a big coal mining town at the time. Okay. And uh, a guy named, uh, like, Joseph Peters founded the town, and they named it Petersburg, Iowa. And except then the United States Post Office said, sorry, we already have a Petersburg, Iowa, or whatever. Okay. So they said, oh, yeah. Okay, well, we'll show you guys. So... Most of them were from England. 
that's settled in this area of Iowa. And uh, there was an expression at the time, this is anecdotally what I read in Wikipedia. So, But, but the, there was an expression back in those days from the English would use, sort of like now we would say, hey, what's happening or what's up? Right. What what cheer? What okay. cheer? So that was the name of it. That's how they that. used it, huh? I was happy to see the off ramp. Never heard of it. Put it that well. No, huh. it's, it's a little speck in the road. Yeah. As you go by, uh, three three two three seven seven six. Fred, I did a little quick look at uh, the Cubs and Sox quote unquote rebuild. Okay. All right. Now, Tom Ricketts bought the team in twenty ten, and the first. Before the 2010 season. Okay. So the first two years we'll throw out because he was muddling along and didn't have a, a GM and, uh, you know, to speak of. He had, so then he got Theo. So when Theo starts, I would call that the beginning of the quote official rebuild, even okay. though Ricketts had tanked it for two previous years, finishing in fifth. So Theo takes over in 2012, 13. And 2014, the first three years of the quote-unquote rebuild, the Cubs finished 5th, 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 61 wins, 66 wins, and last place, 73 wins. Uh Now, let's look at the White Sox rebuild. They are in year three right now. Right. Again, the Cubs' first year of the rebuild under Theo, 61 wins. The Sox in 2017, 67 wins. Okay. The second year of Theo's rebuild, he jacked it up here from 61 to 66. Sox fell back a little from 67, but 62. So both in the same ballpark, if you add them together, almost equal. The next year, Theo won a whopping 73 games. Okay. The White Sox are projected right now to win 76 games. At least that was a back-of-my-envelope math late sure. last night, give or take. So the Sox right now continuing what they have been doing, project to have a better third year of the rebuild than the White Sox. Just, I don't know what that means, but it's sort of fun to throw you that out. the White Sox have better than the Cubs? Or the... As the Sox will have 76 wins this right. year. I'm sorry, better, and the Cubs right. had 73 okay. in year three. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know exactly what that means, if anything, but... It's not easy. Well, no, it, it, it's it's not an easy rebuild. Rebuilds are always tough, and uh, both teams have done it pretty much differently. The White Sox did it by making three trades, bringing in six players, and you look at those players they brought in, uh, where the Cubs did it mainly by drafting players and then signing pitchers. And uh, they said they were mm-hmm. going to do that, uh, sign pitchers and uh, draft players, and it, it kind of worked for them. The problem is that those four guys, Schwarber, Hap, uh, Almora, you know, you got guys like that. Bryant. And Brian. So Brian's the one that made it. You know, Almora's your, your serviceable center fielder. You're not, you're still trying to figure out exactly what Schwarber is and who knows what Ian Hap is. So, well, Schwarber's you know, the laid-off man uh, right now. now. Was, was today, though, he's, uh, he had the... Oh, no, he's leading off today. He's leading off, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? I was going to ask Jesse. I'm glad you brought that up. Leadoff man for the Cubs. Now, on what they need is a second baseman leadoff man badly. They have right. no second baseman right now. And as Daniel Murphy helped out for two months last year, he's through now. You know, stick a fork in him. But they need that type of guy. But leadoff man... Oh, on base, on base. Thursday... Hayward walked four times and struck out once and broke the bat over his knee. Right. He almost struck. He almost walked five times. He got they they oh, squeezed yeah. him. Okay. Uh, so four walks. 
Now, as we speak right now, the on, <coughs> excuse me, the on base percentage. Yeah. Hayward, uh, 354. On base Schwarbs, I have about 348, but, you know, right. flip, flip a coin. Yeah. So their on bases are both the same. They've walked within two, within two of each okay, other. Okay, cool. I didn't Hayward's know that. Hayward's got 10 more at bats right. and two more walks. So, based on Hayward walking four and maybe it could have been five times Thursday, why wouldn't he have let off yesterday? And 15 less strikeouts. Well, what if Schwarber had a home run to start the game? Yeah. Yeah. A solo homer. Right. About I don't have a solution, but I hate nothing more than a home run hitter leading off and then hitting a solo homer. Not There's only a leadoff man once, Murph. No, that's not true. Because in the National League, you're going to always bat in front of eight and nine every time you bat. Right. Now, there might be pinch hitters for number nine. I understand that. You don't have many guys to pinch hit anymore either. But they need... Well, certainly not today. A second baseman. No, yeah. that's what I mean. Right. Yeah. They need a second baseman that can lead off almost as much as a closer. Final thoughts. I know we're running late, Murph and Fred. Lots to still cover. Glad you're with us. It's ESPN 1000. You know, I I really had... uh, I got a beef. Okay, Uh, what's your beef? (laughs) Thought you'd never ask. Elbow guards and umpires. Okay. Did you hear what happened in the Cub game yesterday? I heard that. I I heard it. I didn't see it. All right. We got the top of the fourth. All right. Cubs up by a couple. Cincinnati. Winker is at bat, right? Jesse Winker. Yeah. Two out. Man on second. Looks like uh, the Indians going to end. He's down to one ball, two strikes. And... Uh... Winker got hit. Really All right. Now, stop that. I'm going to play it again. Pot it back up. You're going to hear a click. Right. Turn your radio or device real loud. The ball hits him on the elbow guard. Take your base. It's almost a strike. He leans into it. Okay. Hear it? Yeah. Winker got hit. He really didn't make an effort to get out of the way. No. If anything, he actually floated that elbow into harm's way a little bit with that elbow guard on. It made it sound like it might have hit the bat, but you saw it clearly hit the I mean, elbow that's, guard. That's a that's a, a, a an umpire could not grant him first base on that play. You, you almost never see it. Stop the tape. NBC Sports Chicago. Thank you, Len and uh, Jimmy Deshays. It, it's bad enough to let these guys wear an elbow guard. And then they allow him to lean his elbow out and get hit by a pitch. It's not because it went against the Cubs. It's in general. Watch was it, it over game. the plate? No, it was okay. about one inch inside. As long as it's not over the plate, I don't have a problem with it. But no, Fred, he leaned. I know. As long as he doesn't, have a, as long as he doesn't lean over. As long as it's not going to, it can't be called a strike. The I don't rule have a problem says you must make an attempt to get out of the way of the pitch. Uh-huh. He leaned. You don't mind he leans into it? All right. No. Okay. No, get on base any way you can. Well, yeah. Okay, let me rephrase it. I don't mind him doing it either. How come the ump don't call it? Yeah. You heard Jimmy Dishick. They never call it. Yeah. Okay, then. Okay, I agree with you. Anything, well, and anything you can do. You, no, you're right. Right. Why can't the ump call it? Yeah. The ump can call it. Well, the, then he got plunked later on in the hip, and he wasn't. He had no chance to get away from that one. Good. Yeah, so he wasn't going They should have put it in John Mullen's ear hole, <laughs> except that he sprinkled didn't have one. Yeah. So it, it uh, happened the other day, too, in, in the White Sox game. And it was weird because they mentioned how he turned in towards the pitch. And they were trying to say that actually mm-hmm. he puts him closer to the plate. I kept looking at the replay. Okay. He still, he may have turned in, yeah. but he still, his arm was still not over the plate. So if it's inside and it's coming at you, go ahead. 
That's fine. You'd think he would have put the elbow out if he had no elbow guard. That, that's a good oh, question. Oh, there we go. Uh-huh. That's a good question. Well, thank our guests, Jesse Rogers, the little guy, and John Mullen, football Bears guy, NBC Sports Chicago. Well, Felix Ray has all of his help. He'll be with me tomorrow. We got Black and Abdallah tomorrow morning at 8. I'll be here at 10. And then also on Memorial Day. So keep listening all weekend. And save us a bratwurst. Dusseldorf mustard for me. Murph and Fred Sand. Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.